like that. You want to try that. Geez, hello, like one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready for another fantastic episode of the Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into the Logan Blackman Show today on this Wednesday, March 29th edition of the Logan Blackman Show, let's make sure we go over to the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. It should pop up. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page. You can check out all links to the podcast on all those different forms of social media. We have not posted on the Facebook, or the YouTube page, sorry, in a little bit, but we're trying to get back involved in that. I know I've said that about 100 times now, but we're trying to get somewhat back involved in that. But again, the most important thing you can do out of all of that is make sure you subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. I would greatly appreciate it if you did that. Uh, yeah, like and subscribe to the, well, I guess you can't like and subscribe, that's a YouTube term. But make sure, if you're not sure, just go and make sure you're subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account. Leave a rating out of five stars on both of them. It can be a one-star rating or a five-star rating just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. I would greatly appreciate it. It could be about one thing negative. It could be about one thing good. I don't really give a shite just as long as you let me know how you feel and why you feel that way. Okay, with all that being said, right now as I sit here recording this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blyman Show, I am questioning a lot of life decisions that I have made in the past few hours, and it is frustrating the hell out of me, and I will tell you why. So. Today for me is Tuesday, March 28th, and on Monday's episode, which we recorded on Sunday, we recorded at Sunday at like noon, or noon or one, sometime around there so we didn't miss the NCAA tournament games. We didn't miss miss part of Creighton versus San Diego State, and then watched Miami versus Texas, and then watched Iowa take down Louisville in one of the best games I've seen in a while, women's or men's college basketball. Like, And we'll talk about that in a little bit, because obviously we got the NCAA tournament still finished finishing up so we'll talk about that towards the end of the show I'd imagine if I remember to do it if I remember to do it because that's the thing I can say that we're going to talk about something but the 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 chance of me forgetting that I said that are very high because there's not a lot of stuff pre-prepared or pre-prepared it's just prepared for each show so if I forget something that I said I was going to do early in the show I apologize for that and maybe that's a one-star rating for you maybe maybe that's a one-star rating for you I apologize for that but Man, so we did all that for Sunday, then we record on Monday, we're perfectly fine. I did the exact opposite thing today. So what we did on Sunday, we prepared. We did a show around noon or 1 o'clock, so we didn't miss anything else the rest of the day. Today, as I sit here on March 28th, I literally did the exact opposite because I was going to record a show around 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, so I went to a meeting today. We had a preparation meeting for a new road or a, re- a road reconstruction over in Windsor Heights. So I went to the meeting for that today. Went really well. Got a lot of information about the job. Texted over to my dad. And everything was going sw- swimmingly. Going swimmingly. Day went swimmingly after that. Got a bunch of jobs entered. Everything was going good. I was like, okay. Calls are starting to die down a little bit. We could start recording a show probably around four. Because I had plans to help a friend move a washer and dryer unit from Home Depot and take to, I believe, his aunt's house, which is not too far away from his house. He texted me about this yesterday, on March 27th. So I was going to do that. And we were going to do that at 6. So I was like, okay, if I record at 4, 4.30, we'll get done around 5, 5.30, and then we'll have enough time to get ready, and then we'll go over and help him get dinner and do all that stuff. But then my friend Andrew, who we have talked about on the show, 
he texts me at about 4.05. So I'm making tea. I'm making some green tea to get ready for the show today. So I'm getting that made, and I'm going to come into the show, I'm going to record, and I'm going to have that with me, and it's going to keep me up and energized the entire freaking time, and then I'm going to do all my stuff. I have everything planned because I figured out, my friend Preston texted me as well, that he was going to help. He asked me if I was going to help Steven move the washer and dryer. I was like, yes, that is the plan. And we had all this stuff to move the washer and dryer, and then Andrew texts me, he goes, hey, I'm going to go longboarding if you want to come. And this is again about 405, 410. And I haven't been longboarding in a while. And I haven't worked out for the past. Remember we talked about Logan being all healthy and all the health kick and stuff like that? I'm still drinking water. I've cut out energy drinks. But I'm, I'm, I drink pop occasionally. Occasionally. I'm sorry. I'm not the health nut that all of you thought I was. I, I sincerely apologize for that. But Andrew texted me about longboarding. And again, I haven't been longboarding in a while. So you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll record the show later. I'll record the show later. After we get done moving the washer and dryer, eat dinner, I'm not really going to plan on doing a lot of stuff after moving the washer and dryer so I can just go back to my apartment, record, and bish bash, we're done. It's just going to be simple. It's going to be a very simple, simple transaction. And then Logan screwed it up. Or not Logan, I I don't know if Logan screwed it up or not. So what ended up happening, I go longboarding with Andrew. I tell Andrew, hey, I got to help Steven move a a washer and dryer unit at about 6 o'clock. So as long as we're back by then, everything should be good to go. So I shoot Steven a text message and say, hey, where do you want to meet up at before I go longboarding with Andrew? Just so I am aware of everything that's going to take place. And again, Preston texted me after I was helping move. Or did I I mention that? I don't remember if I did or not. But Preston texted me and asked if I was going to help Steven move the washer and dryer. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I texted Steven and he was like, well, actually, we got Preston. So then I guess I'm no longer involved in moving the washer and dryer. But I still want to get dinner. So I'm like, okay, uh, do you guys want to get stuff afterwards? And Preston's like, yeah, we're going to be at Home Depot at 5. Or we're arriving at 5. Or some, somewhere around that time. 5, 5.30, somewhere around there. I was like, okay. So I'm sitting in my apartment, and I'm contemplating now. I'm like, should I record a show now, or should I wait till they get done? And then I, I ultimately decided to wait till they get done. We didn't end up going to get dinner until 7.00. So I could have done the exact same thing from 5, 5.30 to 6, 6.30 and then got ready and then gone to dinner at 7. It was just an hour later than what I originally anticipated it being. But it, the plans to have, could have all gone as I had originally planned. Everything was in line still. Everything was still in line. And yet I waited. And we go to dinner. And there's one thing, and I love Preston, I love him. I don't know if he's listening to the show right now or not. Probably not, but if he is, cool. Things with, when you hang out with Preston, you got to prepare yourselves for a long night. And when I say a long night, you're going to be hanging out for a long time. Not, not, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, we got hammed. There's no, there was no drinking involved. There rarely are, there's never drinking involved when I hang out with Preston. But you know you're going to hang out for a while. And when you're with friends, you're just like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do that. So we ate at Taco John's. We were there for about, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half maybe. And then Preston's like, do you want to walk around Walmart? We can get our steps in after after eating Taco John's. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And after we go to Walmart, walk around, then we go back to the cars. We stand outside the cars and just talk for about an hour. <laughs> so I'm sitting here now. The original plan was to record this show at 4 or 4.30. I'm sitting here now at 10.47 on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. 1047. 
Again, I cannot reiterate that enough. The original plan was to record at 4. We are damn near 7 hours later than what I wanted to originally record. And it's no one's fault but mine. I'm not blaming Preston or Steven or Andrew or whoever to do it. Because you know what I could have done? I could have just gone, Andrew, you know what? No. I want to record an episode of the Logan Blackman show right now. I want to give the loyal fans of Logan Blackman show something to look forward to on a Wednesday. Wednesday's the middle of the week. You got to have something to look forward to in the middle of the week. So why not just another great edition of the Logan Blackman show? I should have done that. And then when Steven said, hey, we got Preston, you know what, you're not needed to help move the washer and dryer anymore. I should have gone, you know what? Fine. I'll wait for you guys to get done. I'll get dinner with you guys. I'll record a show now. And I didn't do either one of those things. I didn't do either one of those things. I went longboarding and I just sat on my phone and cooled off after I got back from longboarding. Because it was it, it was one of those weird days where so I was wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants. And when you're doing something like that, like it's not warm enough to where you can ride around with a longboard without a sweatshirt or at least a jacket on. But it's also not cold enough to where when you start going and you start getting hot and bothered and all that stuff like that, that you necessarily need that because you're going to start sweating. And then after I got done, I was a little bit, I was purpose, uh, uh, what do you call it? Perspiring a little bit. <laughs> so I needed to cool down. So I had the screen door open. I sat on the couch. And I just looked at my phone, scrolled through Twitter, waited for Preston to call me when they got done. Eventually got done around seven. We went to Taco John's and did the rest of his history. So I'm going to really hate myself tomorrow morning. I'm really going to hate myself. Who the hell knows? This show might even be still recording in Tool tomorrow morning. So we're about 10 minutes into recording right now. So we started recording sometime around 1040. So there is a chance, given how sometimes how long the show can go from time to time, that this goes into the 29th, the day the show comes out, which is always fun to do that. Always fun to do that. This is the latest show I've recorded since the Super Bowl episode. Remember when I bitched and complained after the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl? When I was a butthurt fan after that game? But I had to come and record it because I had everything like on my mind at that exact moment. I was going to wait till Wednesday to release the show. I was like, no, I got everything in my head right now. I need to record stuff now. And I did, and then I got tired the next morning, and then, you know, it was all, it was all, uh, all downhill from there. Terrible night. Terrible next day. <laughs> Terrible week. Now I got to go into the next season. I got to watch the NFL draft, which is my favorite time of the year, and watch the NFL draft where they go, and they wait that 31st or 32nd pick because, again, it, does, it depends on how you look at it. Because technically, I guess, like right now, they're the 31st pick, but technically they're a 32nd pick. And again, like I've said before, this is a situation where you're at a deli shop or you're at the DOT. You're at the DOT. And when you're at the DOT, and your number, your ticket number, like, 570. Or something along those lines. Sorry, I dropped something, and I cannot seem to find it. And this is really bothering me. Okay. I have a little lug nut that I play with every single show. <laughs> Jared, Jared made fun of me for, for having it, but... It's like when you're at the DOT, though. Back to the original talking point. You're at the DOT, and your ticket number 511. Or something like that. And number 510's not there. Well, they don't go, okay, 510 still, and you go up now. You're not number 510. You're still number 511. So if the Dolphins don't have the 21st pick, or the Chiefs who are picking 31st, are they still the 32nd pick? Like, how does that work out? Are they the 32nd pick or the 31st pick? Who the hell knows how that's going to work out? Are, they, are the Dolphins the 32nd pick? How, how does this all work out? I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm not ready for Roger Goodell, who just got extended, by the way, or in talks of getting an extension. I don't know if I'm mentally prepared for him to go up to the studio, the podium once again and say, you're Super Bowl champion Chiefs. And not only that, it's in Kansas City. It's in Kansas City. Out of all the NFL drafts that have come previously, this is the most likely I've ever been to going to a draft. I'm not saying it's likely, but this is the most likely, the most plausible opportunity for me to go to an NFL draft. I guess there was one in Chicago, but this one's the closest NFL team. I, I don't know which one's technically the closer. The Vikings or the Chiefs are closest. I don't know which one's technically closer. I think they're about equidistant from Des Moines. About three hours away. Not from, they're not equidistant from each other, but it's, <laughs> they're about three hours away to each side. Maybe two and a half for one of them. I don't know. But yeah, we'll get more into the draft in a little bit. Or should we just start with the draft since that's kind of the direction the show is? <laughs> it's a kind of a, an NFL draft show. And it, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Because I thought it was interesting. So we're, we're going to do the MLB prediction stuff. But I thought this was very interesting. So I every day, I go on the internet, as one does, and search up mock drafts. Because I want to see what other people think is going to happen. Because obviously, I've said this before, I have no sources. I have no sources. So I go off hearsay. So these guys at the NFL Network or ESPN have better resources than I do. They can talk to people. They have sources. I don't have sources. So I spend a lot of time when I don't make a mod draft just reading up on either mod drafts or reports from other teams. Because I'm also not a fan of every team in the NFL. So I don't necessarily know 100% what they need. So I go on the internet and search up mod drafts quite a bit. It takes up a lot of my time in regards to, like, if I'm sitting around bored, I'll just go, uh, 2023 NFL mod draft. And I'll just look up random stuff. But today was the most interesting day I've seen in a while. So, obviously, the two broadcast teams we brought up just a little bit ago, ESPN and the NFL Network, two of the leaders, of the, the two leaders in regards to the NFL draft coverage, ESPN obviously popularized the draft. I think the NFL Network has a better draft coverage than the ESPN, but ESPN's the godfather of the NFL draft in regards to making it what it is now. And they have two people that have released mock drafts, and I always find that ESPN, they had Mike Tannenbaum, was a former NFL GM. He makes mock drafts. And then Bucky Brooks makes mock drafts for the NFL Network. Bill's legend, Bucky Brooks, was a kick return guy for the Buffalo Bills. He's NFL Network's, I, like, he's, if you want to give me a, if I want to give you a comparison for what Bucky Brooks is to the NFL Network, he is uh, what Todd McShay is to Mel Kuyper. He is the Todd McShay to Daniel Jeremiah, I guess I could say. Like, Daniel Jeremiah is their main guy, but Bucky Brooks still is, Highly regarded in a lot of these NFL draft circles. Mike Tannenbaum is a former NFL GM. He is not a draft expert. And there's a reason he is a former NFL GM. Like, because it it didn't really 100% work out. Because he was a general manager for the New York Jets during a time where they tried to be good. The time the Brett Favre trade and all took place and all that stuff. And nothing really happened after that. From 2006-2012, he was the general manager of the New York Jets. So he, I guess he had varying success. I guess he went to a couple AFC championship games with Mark Sanchez. So yeah, maybe they hold his opinion pretty high, but he was, he's on ESPN now. He's not necessarily an old guy. He's 54 years old. So it's not like he's a terribly old guy, but this mock draft is an odd one. It's an odd one. And there's a lot of GMs that are not GMs because they're not good at the draft. And this is very strange. I, I'm not saying like it, 
You know what? I will say it. This will not happen. This will not happen. I, I can 100% confirm that this will not happen. I don't care how many times you think it will happen or you want it to happen. The top three, is even top four, is not really an issue to me. It's We start at number five. So it, the number one pick went to Bryce Young to the Carolina Panthers. CJ Stroud to the Texans. Will Anderson to the Cardinals. Will Levis to the Colts. I don't think that's too out of the ordinary. I think that's relatively fine with how this draft seems like it could be going. With Will Levis, Anthony Richardson talks going to be dominating the rest of the offseason until the draft. Stroud and Young are the top two guys for most people out there. It's number five where I have the the head-scratching part. And he starts it off by saying, okay, this one might raise some eyebrows, but hear me out. It's not... The thing that I don't think a lot of people understand about mock drafts is that it's not for you to make the pick. You are trying to put yourself in said GM decision-maker spot for that team. You think what they would do. So, that... that uh, he has Hendon Hooker going to the Seattle Seahawks at number five. Do I think Hendon Hooker is a first-round quarterback? Healthy? Yeah, 100%. Even now, I think he's got a chance to get drafted in the first round. He ain't going fifth overall. I'm sorry to say this. And again, this is from someone that liked Hendon Hooker quite a bit coming out of Tennessee. Playing in Tennessee, I thought this dude was awesome. You could see the transition of their offense from when Hendon Hooker was the backup at Tennessee to when he became the starter, how dominant their offense was. Like, he's an awesome, from all accounts, a good person, a good guy you want to represent your franchise. He ain't going number five. So I don't understand where the logic comes from this, okay, hear me out. No, it's not happening. I would be absolutely shocked if this happened. I'm not going to sit here and go, there's no, he does not deserve to be fifth overall because I think if he was healthy, you could make an argument for it. Not right now. Not right now. And then you have Anthony Richardson going number 11 in Tennessee. I don't think it's out of the question for Tennessee to draft a quarterback, but I don't think Anthony Richardson falls out of the top 10. At this point, that could obviously change. We're a month away from the NFL draft. We are 30 days from the NFL draft. So a lot can change in that point, but why is this... No, this isn't happening. You're not having Hendon Hooker go before Anthony Richardson. You can say, hear me out all you want. It's not going to happen. I can promise you that. It's not going to happen. So I would not wage my bets on that happening. If you're waging your bets on Hendon Hooker getting drafted before Anthony Richardson, I would say calm down on that. I, w- I would say hold your horses because it's it's very, very, very unlikely. And then he has Dewan Jones going 15 to the Packers. At one point, I thought that was a possibility of him getting drafted this high. I don't know if it necessarily is. He's a freaking monster. So the, the range on Dewan Jones will be all over the place. Because he's huge. He's absolutely six foot eight, 374 pounds. Like, and he can move. So there's going to be a uh, an area for him. But I have no idea where that starts. I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted as high as 15. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell out of the first round. I don't know where his, where his ceiling in the draft is at this point in time. And then Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. There's, he's not falling out of the top 10. Devin Witherspoon, I would be pretty surprised if he fell out of the top 10. Let, it go, let alone going 17th. If he fell out of the top 10, he wouldn't go past 11 
or maybe even 12, because the Titans could need corner. They need corner help. The Texans could use some corner help, even though they drafted Derek Stingley last year. He had some injuries going into last season and is coming off an injury from this past season. Like, I don't think there's a chance he goes outside of the top 10. And if there is a chance, it's relatively small. And then the same token goes for Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter falls out of the top 10, if he gets past the Bears and the Eagles, who could use some interior defense alignment, I would be absolutely shocked. Like I, I'm not even being like hyperbolic. I would be shocked if he went if he got past if he starts to fall. God forbid he starts to fall. He ain't falling past Chicago, and he ain't if he falls past Chicago, he ain't falling past Philly, because both those teams need some interior defensive line help. Hell, the Falcons needed at eight. The Raiders could use it at seven. The Lions could use it at six. Like I don't, I it's it's confusing to me. I know he didn't have the greatest pro day. I know he didn't have the greatest pro day. He came out overweight. From his, I think he had like eight pounds heavier that his pro day than he was at the combine. I don't think he could be. What does this say? And this could end up being a great pick at eighteen. Yeah, it could. It could be if you. Okay, I'll put it like this. If Hendon Hooker gets drafted for Jalen Carter, I will be absolutely floored. I I would say there's a 1% chance that happens. Even less than that. Because I'm not going to say a 0% chance because it's the freaking draft and anything can happen. Like, hell, freaking Jake Locker was drafted the top 10 in the 2011 NFL draft. Like, anything can happen. Trubisky was drafted second overall by the Bears who traded one spot to get him. After they apparently told Patrick Mahomes he was their guy, and after John Fox that thought they were drafted Jamal Adams. After they just signed Mike Glennon to a contract. Like, anything can happen in the draft. The Jets drafted a tight end over Warren Sapp, who didn't need a tight end. But the chances of Hennon Hooker going above Jalen Carter, and Jalen Carter falling past a bunch of teams that need interior defensive line help, is really odd to me. Seattle would be there, too. I don't think Jalen Carter's going in the top four, but I think Jalen Carter going at five is definitely not out of the question. I think Jalen Carter going to Detroit, I mean, we had that in the last mock draft. I think that's a very real possibility. I think the Seahawks drafting a quarterback's a real possibility, but I don't think that quarterback that goes to Seattle at five is going to be Hendon Hooker. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like Hendon Hooker. I like him. But if he goes in the draft, he'll be in the 20s. He'll go in the 20s if he gets drafted in the first round, which I think there's a chance he does. Uh, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa going to the 20 to Seattle. I I don't I think he goes a lot higher than that. I'm not saying he's a guaranteed top 10 pick, but I think he goes higher than 20. And then we keep scrolling down a little bit, and then we have got Jameer Gibbs going to Buffalo. That's not happening. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that the Bills are never going to draft a running back in the first round. They have drafted a running back in a premium position the past three drafts. They drafted James Cook in the second. They drafted Zach Moss in the third and Devin Singletary in the third. They have drafted a running back in a quote-unquote prime spot for a running back. because So Singletary was drafted in 2019. Moss was drafted, I think, in 2020. So James Cook was drafted last year. They missed on it or passed on it in 2021. So three of the last four years, they've drafted a running back in high spot. But when you look at the grand scheme of running backs in the NFL, that is considered the running back area. That like second and third round is where you get running backs. 
if they didn't draft Brees Hall, which is a guy that everybody said they loved going into offseason, they're not drafting a running back, especially not drafting Jameer Gibbs, especially after they just signed Damian Harris. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that the Bills are probably going to either draft a linebacker at this point, because I really doubt Dobson and Terrell Bernard are going to be battling, really are going to be the only two guys they have battling it out for that starting linebacker spot after the first round. I, I have a hard time believing that. I think offensive lineman, I think like Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, he's a bigger center. He's about six foot six. You look at the Bills off the line right now, Mitch Morse had a few concussion issues throughout his career, is a bigger center at six foot six. I think he'd fit that mold, and Tipman can play guard and if need be at that time. So I think they're drafting O-line or linebacker in the first round. Maybe receiver. If they don't end up getting DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham, they're going to go one of those directions. They're not going running back. I've resigned myself to that fact. The Bills are not going to draft a running back in the first round. And then you keep scrolling. Nolan Smith going to the Eagles at 30. Nolan Smith's going way higher than 30. Way higher than 30. I understand he's not that big. I understand he's not the biggest guy. He's only 238 pounds. But that speed, you can't teach that. You can't teach speed. That is one of the oldest phrases in football. You can't teach speed. And he's got that. And it's not just the 40. He plays fast. So it's not like he's just, oh, just the 40. That's it. He plays super fast as well. He ain't going 30. He is not going that low. Like, this this draft's kind of all over the place, which is fine. I can't, like, 100% like, this guy's a freaking idiot because it's his opinion, I guess. But this is not happening. This is not happening. I don't even, I'm not even comedy got the top two picks right. I think the only pick he could really say he definitively probably got right is the Cardinals taking Will Anderson if they don't trade back. That's the only pick I go, yep, that's fine. I think the Raiders taking Christian Gonzalez. I think, okay, there's one too. But Miles Murphy at eight going above Van Ness, going above Nolan Smith. I have a hard time believing that at this point in time. I'm not saying Miles Murphy's not a first-round draft pick, but I, I have a hard time believing that at this point in time. And then Bucky Brooks, the the cap, the heading alone is the part that kind of throws it off for me. Bucky Brooks, NFL 2023 NFL mock draft, 3.0. Colts pass on a quarterback. Will Levis falls out of the first round. If the Colts pass on a quarterback, it's because they traded that pick to get Lamar Jackson. Unless you think they're going to draft Hendon Hooker in the second round. That, that is the only logical reasoning I can see here. I don't foresee them passing on a quarterback unless they're trading for him. Which I think would be a possibility. But then the second part, Levis falls to the first round. You might not like Will Levis. You may not like him. I can understand to a certain extent why people don't like Will Levis. But he ain't falling out of the first round. He's not falling out of the first round. I, I apologize for this. But other, like, this mock draft is not bad. I'm not going to sit here and say Bucky Brooks' mock draft is bad. It's not. I don't think Anthony Richardson falls. I've said this before. I don't think Anthony Richardson falls out of the top 10. He has him going to Seattle at 20. I think there's a like, really solid chance he goes to Seattle at 5. He has Jordan Addison going to the Bills. I'd be perfectly fine with that. If that happens, I'd be perfectly cool with that. But I just have a hard time with Hen Will Levis. Again, for how much you might not like Will Levis, I have a hard time envisioning him falling out of the first round. Completely. I have a hard time envisioning falling out of the top 10, let alone him falling out of the first round. 
I remember a guy during the season. When was this? This had to be back in like September. It was a while. It's August or September. A guy tweeted at me and he said, Levis is not a draftable quarterback. And I don't, I th- people throw that around quite a bit. I don't think people understand how many players are drafted. There is about 260 something players that will get 250, 260 players get drafted. There were 10 quarterbacks or something along those lines drafted last year in a quote unquote bad quarterback draft class. You might not like Will Levis. There are not 10 quarterbacks better than him in this draft class. I'm sorry. There's not there there might be 10 quarterbacks that get drafted this year. There might be more. There might be 12. But I can tell you this, Will Levis will be one of them. <laughs> and uh, I'm fairly confident Will Levis goes in the first round. I'm fairly confident. <laughs> you know, I'll take it a step further. I'm fairly confident he goes in the top 10. I would say there is more likely a chance that Will Levis goes first overall than he does fall out of the top 10. At this point, let alone the first round, I is a very. I think Will Levis going first overall. There is still a chance for that. Again, we said this last week. I said if I'm the Panthers, the top two picks, what it seems like are between Richardson and Stroud. That's what it feels like. I could be completely wrong about that. But again, Levis has been linked with the Panthers before, so I wouldn't be surprised that Josh McCown's a pretty big fan of Will Levis, given what he said about him in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if Levis would go number one overall to the dismay of every single Panthers fan out there because I can already see the tweets forming talking about how the Panthers really traded DJ Moore and a shitload of picks to the Bears to draft Will Levis. I can already see it. I can already see it. He has a similar skill set to Carson Wentz, someone Frank Reich had success with at times during his coaching career. Like the two polar opposite versions of Carson Wentz, Frank Reich has coached. So it, the, the, you got... Will Levis, who could be either one of those guys. He could be an MVP candidate, or he could be cut from his third team or second team in three years. Like who knows? But it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, I don't think Will Levis falls out of the first round. And I I Bucky Brooks's quarterback list is not like it's kind of similar to that of it might be the same. I think it's the same list as Chris Sims. Where it reads Stroud, Young, Hooker, Richardson, Levis. I don't necessarily hate that list. I don't hate that list that much. But I, again, I just have a hard time with Hooker tearing his head. I think Hooker would go to a very good team later in the 20s, if not early for second round. I think there's a possibility of that happening. Like, I, I, I think there is a chance of that happening, of him going in the 20s or early second round. Before, when he tore, originally tore his ACL, you're looking at maybe mid to late second round. There's not a lot of – I don't remember saying this. Maybe I did at one point stupidly. But him falling out of the second round didn't really look like an option. Because you look at some of the quarterbacks that have been drafted in the, first, the second round in the past. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks that have been drafted in the second round. Just based off what they did in college. So I think there's a – I think he definitely goes somewhere in the second round, if not first round, because of how well he's been interviewing. And the ceiling's there. And you look at some of the teams in the 20s, he can sit – He's got a torn ACL, and he tore it late in the season. So he's not going to play, regardless if you had a steady quarterback option or not, he's not going to play this year. So going to a team like, I know my friends are not going to be happy about this, but a team like the Vikings with a quarterback on his last year of his deal, I think would be a, at least I'm pretty confident, Kirk Cousins on the last year of his deal. Hold on. I'm not, I'm, I'm confident, but not confident at the same time. Is this his last year? Yes. Okay. So this is his 
I think. Hold on. I believe this is last year. Minnesota Vikings free agents for next year. I don't want to look at that one. I want to look at Spot Track. 2024 update. Okay, yeah. So he's a he's a free agent next year. So you have a guy like Hendon Hooker who can't play. Sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year, and then you have an offense with Hendon Hooker and Justin Jefferson. That would be really, really fun. Again, I know Vikings fans would not – there's some Vikings fans that like that because there's a lot of Vikings fans that really don't like Kirk Cousins for reasons that surprise me because I understand you might find him cringy. You might find him weird. You might think, oh, primetime Kirk, whatever, memes there. Kirk's a fine quarterback. There ain't nothing wrong with Kirk Cousins. Like, I, I understand he might not be – an upper echelon quarterback in the NFL, but he's a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. And there are a lot more problems on this Vikings team than Kirk Cousins. But when you have a new ownership, or not ownership, but new front office team, a new coaching staff, they're going to want to find their guy. And they've done a lot of research in the quarterback class this year. So if Hendon Hooker's there at 23, which I think there's a very strong possibility that he is, I wouldn't be shocked if they took him at there. And we talked about this, I think, on Friday. Because I think corner is going to be their number one option. And then you got receiver there as well. Linebacker will be mentioned in there as well. Defensive line will be mentioned in there. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did go quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. But those are two mock drafts that I just wanted to touch on because I found them interesting. I found them very interesting. Both had quarterbacks in weird spots. One had Levis not even going in the first round. The, one had, the other one had Hooker going five. The Titans drafting a quarterback in the first round would not surprise me. I th- I've said this before, but I think they're going for a quarterback next year. But if they if the quarterback starts if a quarterback starts to fall, I could I could see them a trading up trading up with like the Lions at six. I think that could be an option because you look at the rest of their division. You have Ryan Tannehill is going to be thirty five or is thirty five, and you look at the Colts who have a new quarterback. You have the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. You have the Texans with a new quarterback, and you're a thirty five year old tra- tra- Ryan Tannehill. You didn't have any faith with Malik Willis last year. So much so that you made Josh Dobbs your quarterback for a crucial game against the Jaguars to try and make the playoffs. They don't really have faith in Malik Willis. I want them to have faith in Malik Willis because I think Malik Willis has tools to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I like Malik Willis. I was not shy in my my praise from Malik Willis last year. I thought he was very raw, but I think the potential was there. If they give him time, which I don't have any faith in the Titans' offensive coaching staff, which is why probably why they did do well last year because their offense is so like terrible to watch cancerous to watch so training up for a quarterback would not be surprising to me maybe they go after Hendon Hooker maybe go maybe they go after Hendon Hooker in the second round if he's there maybe that's an option so what what's the Titans second round pick where do they pick in the second round maybe they trade into the first round so they have the 41st pick in the 41st pick in the draft in the second round so there is a, a possibility that they could draft Hendon Hooker there if he falls out of the first round. So let's not rule that out of the option, out of the question. Get an offensive lineman and replace Taylor Lewan and draft Hendon Hooker in the second round. That'd be good. Maybe get Dorian Thompson Robinson in the third round because you have what pick do you have in the third round? You have the seventy second pick in the third round. Maybe draft DTR there. He'd be fun to watch with Derrick Henry if they don't trade him. So we'll see. We'll see what they can do there. But yeah, mock drafts are fun. Mock drafts always are very interesting. But. Uh, I, I don't really think they think that Hooker's going five and Will Levis is falling to the first round. I don't think they think that, which is my one of my issues with these types of mock drafts. But uh, let's go over to baseball. Let's go over to baseball because I'm excited. 
I'm very, very excited. I'm very, 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 very excited because opening day in baseball is one of the best days of the year. It's one of the best days of the year. And this year for baseball, for me as a Cubs fan, is a weird one because I'm not, like, expecting anything this season. My expectations are not World Series. They're not even really playoffs. I just think that this team can compete for a playoff spot. They can compete for a playoff spot. That does not mean I think they will make the playoffs, but I think this team is good enough. I think they made moves that could push them further along than what they have in years past. Like I, I was semi-optimistic going into last season. I said there was, I think I said there was a chance they could go 500. That was wrong. They were terrible to watch at portions last year. And this year, I'm more confident than I was last year. But now I'm trying to, like, calm down a little bit. I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit. I didn't think they were going to win a division last year. I think I had them coming in third, which they did. But it wasn't like I thought they would be better than what they were. I think this team is better. I think. The thing that sucks is allowing Wilson Contreras to go to St. Louis. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But with the Cubs being, you know, the Cubs and being a perpetual loser pretty much my entire life until they won the World Series in 2016, until they had that core, they haven't really been among the big spenders. And when you're a team like the Cubs, for as laughable as some of their teams have been, there's no reason to be that way. You look at the top most valuable teams in baseball, the Cubs rank fourth. The Cubs should be one of the top spenders every single offseason. They have money. They have money. They're not They're not broke. They should not be a bad team. They are in a massive market in Chicago. Like, you look at the other team in Chicago, the White Sox. Where are they on the top 10 list and the most valuable MLB teams? Not there. Not there. The LA's got the Dodgers and the Angels in the top 10. Where the hell are the White Sox at? Like, the Cubs got money. The Cubs are in Chicago, a massive market. Top five biggest city in America. On the north side of Chicago. You get to play in Wrigley Field, the second oldest stadium in the major, in the majors. Behind Fenway Park. Like you've got a lot of things you could use to your advantage, and they just don't seem to do it. So that when you know, like, like Anthony Rizzo said it last offseason. There's no reason the Cubs should be bad. And they're getting shelled by Anthony Rizzo's Yankees last year. <laughs> like absolutely floored. Was it Alec Mills that had <laughs> just got absolutely emasculated in, in Yankee Stadium last year? Like, it was a terrible year. Like, in portions, sure, it was fun at times, but for the most part, a team that's worth $1.4 billion should not be as bad as what the Cubs are. Same thing goes for the Red Sox, but the Boston's a smaller market than Chicago. You're in as big of a market as Chicago worth that much money. You should not be struggling this much. The Yankees and Mets. They're both in the top six. Where are the White Sox? You're not even really competing with the White Sox. Reinsdorf's not competing with anything the Cubs are doing. The the White Sox had a a young, nice, solid, young core that was supposed to be playoff pushers. They're perpetual underachievers the past couple seasons. So Cubs need to keep spending money and smartly spending money and stop pissing off your best players. Rizzo's pissed off. Bryant, I'm sure, is pissed off. Baez, I'm sure, is pissed off. Contreras, obviously, is pissed off. Like, you you toy them around like, oh, we're going to trade you, we're not going to trade you, we're going to trade you, we're going to trade you, and they never do. Now, Hap's still here, but Contreras screwed off and went over to St. Louis and talked about how he always envisioned himself in a Cardinals uniform. 
Now, that could be tongue-in-cheek. It could be just he wants to get a rise out of the Cubs. It could be because he looked up the Yadier Molina. He has a very similar skill set, but a better bat than Yadier Molina. Not as good defensively, but better bat than Yadier Molina. And now he's going down to St. Louis. Like, you pissed off so many key players of this team and toyed around with their emotions of where they're going to play. Are they going to be in Chicago today or tomorrow? Bryant broke down in the dugout before a game, but when he got traded to San Francisco... Now he's in Colorado, a team that could finish last in their division this year. Like, it's so frustrating watching this guy. Like, when they won that World Series in 2016, I was under the impression they were going to be competing for titles for years to come, and they just never did. You look at Schwarber hit a home run in the World Baseball Classic Final against Japan. Like, these guys are still performing, not necessarily at the same heights. They were by is nowhere near an MVP candidate anymore. Bryant can't stay healthy, which I guess is kind of similar, but... Rizzo's playing all right. He's dominating that right field line in, in Yankee Stadium. Schwarber still mashes dingers. Contreras is going to do well in St. Louis. Like, Contreras is one of the best catchers in baseball. He's going to do well in St. Louis. I'm not naive to that fact. And it's going to piss me off every single time the Cubs play the Cardinals. And my friend Noah, biggest Cardinals fan I know, I've dealt with him my entire, almost damn near my entire freaking life, with the Cubs sucking, Cardinals winning World Series, me and Spencer had like a therapy group growing up in middle school and high school because the Cubs were terrible. It was just us two. Everybody else was fans of other teams. And then the Cubs won a World Series. Everybody's a Cubs fan. Now, Cubs have kind of gone back to that realm of, man, they stink. Yeah, but I like it this way because not everybody's a Cubs fan anymore. No one questions your Cubs fandom anymore. Like you've been a Cubs fan your entire life. Grew up going to the iCubs games. First jersey, Sammy Sosa, 21. LT, 21. Sammy Sosa, 21. My mom got it at Von Maurer at Valley West Mall, which is now at Jordan Creek Mall. And you're wearing Cub stuff around William Penn University after they won the World Series. People questioning your Cub fandom is bullshit because everybody became a Cubs fan at that time. It was terrible. Absolutely hated it. I cried on this show when Rizzo, Baez, and Brian all got traded or teared up about it. You can go back and listen to those shows. Like, it... I'm excited for this season, but unlike those seasons past, I'm not predicting they go to a World Series. I'm borderline thinking, oh, they might be a playoff. I texted Cole last night, so Anthony or Anthony uh, Nico Horner got an extension. I remember where I was when Nico Horner got drafted. I remember where I was when Kyle Schwarber got drafted because Kyle Schwarber, fun fact, I don't know if I ever said this on the show. So I went to a Team USA versus Cuba college game. It was at Principal Park years ago. We couldn't even drive. My dad had to pick us up and drop us off there. Noah got tickets. It was me and my friend and Noah and then our friend Ethan. We were all there at this game. And this dude was massive dude. I think he was number 44. He was some massive number. And then he dropped down a sack bunt and laid it out the first big dude. Like If you remember Kyle Schwarber early on in his Cubs career, until he started losing weight to get more athletic in left field because that was going to be his permanent spot. Like, dude was massive because he was going to be a catcher, and he was built like a catcher. Now he's built more like an outfielder. But uh, laid down that sack bunt, laid it out. I looked him up, Schwarber. I was like, oh, that name is awesome. And the Cubs draft him third overall. I was like, oh, this is sweet. I was laying down in bed when he got drafted because I always forget when the MLB draft's on. Unlike the NFL draft, I never know when the MLB draft's on until, oh, MLB draft starting. Uh, Adley Rauchman just got drafted first overall. Spencer Torkelson just got drafted first overall. Hunter Green just got drafted first overall. Who else? 
Like, I'm trying to think of all the first round, first round, Dansby Swanson get drafted first overall. All the first overall draft picks I can remember. But you never, actually, I, I watched Ed Howard get drafted, so we'll see when he comes to the majors soon. But I, when I was, when Nico Horner got drafted, I was working for the iCubs. I was in the production studio. I was running the ads for the outfield scoreboard, the score, just the scoreboard. And they got drafted. And I looked him up because it's baseball. I don't watch a lot of college baseball, so I I don't watch a lot of it. I don't watch college baseball, so you obviously have to look up who this guy is and where he, what position he plays. He played shortstop, went to Stanford, and they were talking about how he they they reached a little bit on Nico Horner. And you look at some of these players in the draft. Like you look at the year Nico Horner got drafted. So that was what I'm guessing if I remember correctly, it was the 2019 draft. I think it was 2019. Hold on. Or was it the next year? Might it be the next year? 2020? When did I work for the iCubs? <laughs> I, can't, I can't seem to remember. No, that was Ed Howard. So was it 2018? Oh, yeah, because I I left William Penn in the summer of 2018. And that was the first year I was I was at, out of William Penn. 24th pick. You look at some of the other players in this draft class. So you got Casey Mize, who I believe is starting the season on the IL, or might just be on the IL for the Tigers. Hold on. I believe he's starting on the IL. He's on the 60-day 60, 60 IL. So, yeah, he's done. Um, then you got Joey Bart, who has been kind of up and not the second overall pick they thought at this point anyways. He's fine. He's fine. Alec Bohm, who was used as trade bait when the Phillies were originally trying to trade for Chris Bryant. Nick Madrigal, who's now in the Chicago Cubs and playing third base. We'll see if he actually plays there that much this year. Jonathan India, Rookie of the Year, got screwed over, screwed out Patrick Wisdom for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jared Klesnick, or Klenin, Kelenic for the Mariners. He got drafted by the Mets. Uh, Kyler Murray got drafted to <laughs> ninth overall. Travis Swaggerty plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates, an all right player. Not nothing fantastic. Then we got uh, who else do we got? Unless I'm missing someone. Uh, oh, Brady Singer, who's a pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. Nolan Gorman, third baseman, will play a little bit DH this year for their the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Trevor Larnack. Plays for the Minnesota Twins. Bryce Trang, who's going to be the starting shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers this season. And then Nico Horner at 24. Tristan Cassis for the Red Sox. He's going to make his, like, I think he's a rookie. He's a rookie of the year candidate. I never really understand when they're, like, rookie of the year candidates not. Bo Naylor's there. Uh, Seth Beer. Like, there's there's decent players in the draft, but Nico Horner is not worse. You might, I, he's better than Jonathan India, who won rookie of the year at this point in time. He's better than Jonathan India. He's better than Alex Baum. Alec Baum. He's better than Nick Madrigal. He's better than Joey Bart. He's better than Nolan Gorman. Like, N- Nico Horner was considered a quote-unquote reach when he got drafted. At least how I'm remembering it. Because I remember looking it up while I was there. So I, I, you get excited. You get to see a new player. And now he's arguably the best player in that first round. I, I haven't looked at the rest of the first round. Oh, Shane McClellan got compensatory picks. So Shane McClellan's the best player in this draft. But <laughs> but in the first round, okay, in the first round, that would be Nico Horner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Horner's a really good player. I'm happy he got extended. He's going to be the leadoff guy for the Cubs this year. We've been asking him for him to be the leadoff guy for a while now. Glad he's finally getting an opportunity to do that. We'll see how him and Dansby Swanson do together, which I'm very excited for. They have one of the best in middle infields in baseball defensively. It's going to be really fun to see how they do this year. You have two potential gold glovers 
at second and shortstop going into the season. They might have overpaid for Dancy Swanson, but I'm fine with the move. If it pays off, I'm fine with it. It's, I'm fine with it if it pays off. The Cubs made some some good, uh, interesting moves this offseason. They spent money. They said they were going to. They were linked with shortstops every single year since Baez left. They've been linked with shortstops the entire time. They were talking about extending Baez, never did, trade him to the Mets, and he signed with the Tigers, and we'll, we'll see how he does in there. Oh, Nico Horner was the first player to reach the MLB in this draft. I did not know that. Wow, I was unaware of that. First player in this draft class to get for, moved up. Nice. But uh, we'll start off with the Cubs, I guess. I mean, it makes sense to start off with the Cubs, my favorite team, so it makes sense to start there. We'll go division by division. So the Cubs, they went out. They went out and got Danzy Swanson. Like it. Like it. Former first overall pick from Vanderbilt. I remember watching them win the College World Series with Vanderbilt. If I, I believe they won the call. They released the championship. I guess I don't remember if they won or not. They got Trey Mancini, which older player, but he adds a lot of versatility. He can play in the outfield. He can play first place. He can play DH. He can play different positions for the Cubs. It's depending on right versus left-handed pitching. Cody Bellinger, Bellinger, former MVP, low contract, by low contract. If he can get anywhere close to what he used to be, Cubs got a very good signing there. Eric Hosmer, I think a four-time gold glover at first base. Nothing insane batting-wise. Nothing insane power, but he's good player. Good player. He'll make a lot of contact. He'll be good defensively. Edwin Rios got him from the Dodgers this offseason. Solid piggies. Had a pretty solid spring training. Tucker Barnhart, switch hitting, short, uh, switch hitting catcher, more defensively. Sound than batting. Still have Jan Gomes there. They got Luis Torrens from the Seattle Mariners. He's going to make the opening day roster per uh, Jed Hoyer. And then he got uh, Miles Masterboni. I don't know. I've, I don't know. Master Brune, I, I haven't been able to say a stupid Italian name yet. But he's going to make the opening day roster. They got him in a trade from the Ra- the Tampa Bay Rays. They got Jamison Tyone this season from the Yankees. Signed him from free agency. Got Julian Merriweather. Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger are going to be the two of the three potential starter or potential closers here. You got Brandon Hughes there as well. The only issue I have with the Cubs roster at this point, how it's structured, they only have one left-handed uh, reliever. That's kind of concerning, and it's only Brandon Hughes. I'm happy Brand, uh, Javier Assad, given his given his uh, play at the World Baseball Classic, I'm excited to see him make the opening day roster. But pitching is better than what it was. Pitching is better than what it was. Marcus Stroman will open the day off as the season as the ace. We'll wait till Kyle Hendricks gets back to know about that. Then we have Seiya Suzuki, who's going to be coming back from an oblique injury that he had, which saw him withdraw from the World Baseball Classic. So this team is good. It's good. It's not... It's not competing worthy or anything, but it's a solid team. They made solid moves this offseason. I'm intrigued to see how they all work out. You've got some very good prospects waiting in the wings, like Pete Crow Armstrong, speed for days. He's going to be fun to see when he eventually gets called up. I don't think it'll be this year, but we'll probably be looking at 2024 when he gets called up because he's in double A right now. Then you look at triple A. Christopher Morrell's down in triple A. Nelson Velasquez, hits, he has some power in there. He's down in triple A. Brennan Davis, who a lot of people are really excited about. He's down in AAA. Alexander Canero is down in AAA. They got him in the Chris Bryant trade. Like, you've got pieces. Kelvin Alcantara, you got him in the Rizzo trade. Like, the Cubs got young pieces to work with, and they got decent pieces. Like, it's fun. I'm excited. Ed Howard's going to be down there for a little bit, though. They've they've got good players. David Bodie's still down in AAA Iowa. Matt Mervis, uh, Bryce Ball, the guy they got in the, the Jock Peterson trade. 
So they, they have really good options here. They have really good options here. And I'm excited to see what they can do this year. Again, I don't think they'll compete for a World Series or anything. I'm not saying they'll compete for a World Series. But they can compete for a wild card spot. And I think this is a solid team. I think this is a very good team. For what they for what they were last year, I think this is a vastly improved team. Especially defensively. Especially defensively. Um, Ian Happ, Gold Glover, switch hitter. Like they, They've got pieces there. I saw a list the other day that he didn't have as the best left fielder in baseball, and I cannot disagree with that. As unbiased as I am, I can't disagree with that. I just hope Patrick Wisdom doesn't have as many sw- – he's going to have them, but I hope he doesn't have as many swing and misses as he has in the past. <laughs> so let's just hope that doesn't work out. Uh, the Reds, not expecting a whole lot from them. Not expecting a whole lot from them. Joey Votto's still there. They're going to trot him out again. So we'll see how we'll see how that keeps going for them. Uh, he's going to start off the season – uh, he's having shoulder surgery, so we'll see when that comes back. He's played a little bit. He's 39 years old, though, so we'll see how that goes. Still got Jonathan India. They brought in Will Myers from San Diego. He's a very versatile player. Can play everywhere in the outfield. He has done in the past. He'll start off the season, it looks like, at first base. Tyler Stevenson, fine catcher, fine catcher. He brought in Jason Vossler from Seattle. He brought in Kevin Newman, shortstop from Pittsburgh. Also got Will Benson in from Cincinnati, or Cincinnati from Cleveland. And you got Kirk Caselli in as well. You got Luke Mail as well. So you got options at catcher because the thing is, Tyler Stevenson can play DH. We'll line up at DH quite a bit, I would imagine, this season, and also can play first. So you'll have Connor Caselli come in like versus a left-handed pitcher or something. You'll probably see Tyler Stevenson come in and play a lot of DH versus those left-handed pitchers. And you'll have someone like Kirk Caselli or Luke Mail come in and be that option there. Pitching-wise, again, we mentioned Hunter Green before, former first-round draft, first-round, first-overall draft pick. It's not an insane team, but like Alexis Diaz, the closer, solid pitcher, very solid pitcher. So this team's just not very good. It's not very good, and they're going to be – I'm going to spoil it here now. We're going to go in alphabetical order, though. They're going to be competing with last place for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. We'll get to that in a little bit, though. Moving on, though, is the Milwaukee Brewers. Former MVP Christian Yelich is still there. Willie Adamas, if he could stay healthy, they got a very good solid option there. Very good solid. Very good option there at shortstop. William Contreras brought him. They replaced Omar Navarez, who just went up to the New York Mets. William Contreras is not his brother, but he had a very good season last year. I'm pretty sure he was an all-star last year. Like, very solid catcher. He's lined up the bat in the four spot. Buffalo's own Jesse Winker is there, batting in the fifth spot. Looks like he'll be DH this year. They traded for him from Seattle. Colton Wong, finally out of the NL Central, played with the Cardinals, was with the Brewers. So Jesse Winker's coming in to replace him, essentially. I, he's not going to play the same position because Bryce Terang, when I say he was going to play shortstop, I meant second base because Willie Adamas is obviously shortstop. Bryce Terang will be op- opening the day as second base for the Milwaukee Brewers. They also brought in Brian Anderson, another versatile player. Nothing special. Nothing special. He's kind of like, again, like a Trey Mancini type. A little bit older. A little bit older. He's currently the second oldest player in the the bat the current batting, whereas it's projected right now behind only Christian Yelich. But he's he's a fine player, and he can play multiple positions. He can play third. He can play anywhere in the outfield. He might even deputize at first every once in a while. Play DH. So you've got options there with Brian Anderson there. Garrett Mitchell, former first round draft pick as well at center field. Luis Urias playing third base. Like they've got a solid team. They got a solid team. They got Luke Voigt. They got him from Washington, signed him just a little bit ago. Owen Miller, they brought him in from Cleveland. Pitching is where the Brewers reign supreme in this division. Corbin Burns, 
one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, always going to be a Cy Young favorite. Brandon Woodruff's there as well. Eric Lauer's there as well. Freddie Peralta, they brought in Wade Miley from Chicago, a very nice fifth option. He's not anything special, but he's a nice fifth option for you. But Corbin Burns and Woodruff, two of the top pitchers in baseball. They they obviously remember they traded Josh Hader to San Diego, but they still got options there. Devin Williams has been really good in the bullpen as their closer for them. Brought in Javi Guerra, Bryce Wilson, Gus Verland, and Joel Papias. Piamps, I've never been able to pronounce his name. But they've got, pitching is always going to be the Brewers' number one thing. We'll see if Yelich can get close to his MVP level status. He hasn't been there for the past couple seasons now, but still, very good player. Very good player. So the Brewers have a good roster. Pitching, again, is their main thing, though. That's their main calling card, has been for a while, and will continue to be that. Now we got the Pirates, again. Apart from O'Neill Cruz, what exciting things do the Pittsburgh Pirates have? Like, O'Neill Cruz will get everybody excited. I mean, the dude threw what? He had like a 99 mile an hour ball from shortstop to first, maybe even over 100. It was cruising. Absolutely cruising. Brian Reynolds, solid option in the outfield, could play anywhere in the outfield. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon brought him back to get asses in seats. I hope they're not really expecting a ton from Andrew McCutcheon. You're not going to get MVP McCutcheon back, but I don't, I don't know. It'll be a nice option there. They brought in G Man Choi to play first. Uh, okay, Brian Hayes, a very solid option at third base. I like Cabrian Hayes. I think he's a fine player. You got Carlos Santana coming in from Seattle to be a switch hitting first baseman. You got Connor Joe coming in from Colorado, who's a very solid option. Can play the leadoff if need be. Can play first base. Can play the outfield. Solid option. Very versatile player. But again, it's it's just not it's not great. Rich Hill's still kicking it. I, I wasn't aware he was still kicking. He's 43 years old. I wasn't aware he was still trying to play. And he's with he's with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's it's not great. I yeah, it's them and the it's them and the Reds. It's them and the Reds at the bottom. <laughs> no surprise there. And the Cardinals. Uh, there are no surprises to say that the Cardinals are going to win this division. Uh, there's no prizes for saying that. You look at first and third. You got Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt, the reigning NL MVP. Wilson Contreras. They brought him in at catcher. That's pretty much all you're you're they're needing. That's a, their pitching is like all right, but their players, their offensively, like Arenado is a like a hundred time Gold Glove winner, Platinum Glove winner, Goldschmidt again reigning MVP. Lars Newtbar became a J- Japanese superstar in the World Baseball Class. I think he went from sixty thousand Instagram followers to over a million. Like dude built up a big time persona there playing the World Baseball Classic. They got solid players. Tommy Edmonds, a very solid shortstop, was originally a second baseman, moved over to shortstop with Paul DeYoung. Doing whatever Paul DeYoung's doing, I don't know. And he moved over to short. Brandon Donovan's been playing very solidly at short at second base. You got Nolan Gorman, who we brought up earlier, could play third, could play second, could play short. A lot of Cardinals fans like Nolan Gorman, former first round draft pick. And then you look at the bench as well. Dylan Carlson can play pretty much anywhere in the outfield as well. Can play leadoff, can bat in the nine hole spot, can play anywhere in the batting order, switch hitting outfielder. Like they've got options here. And then Jordan Walker, one of the top prospects in baseball. Every Cardinals fan, like, I've seen this guy all over my social media pages. He's the number one prospect in the Cardinals rankings and the Cardinals prospect pool, 12th rated by MLB. Like, they're excited for this guy. Former first-round draft pick as well. First-round draft pick in 2020. He's lined up right now to play in left field. Probably play some DH there as well. Can play first. Like, they got a good player. The Cardinals are going to win the division. There's no real, there's no trophies for that. They just re-signed Mike Michaelis, or Miles Michaelis, sorry, 
yeah, they didn't make any moves in the bullpen or in the starting pitching department, so that can be whatever. If Jack Flaherty can get back to close to what he once was, they could have a very good team. Or they're a very good team. They have a very solid pitching rotation. Adam Wainwright's going to start the season injured, but uh, yeah, same with Paul DeYoung. They've got options in the minor leagues as well. Juan Yepes, who can play outfield, can play first base, can line up at DH as well. Like They've got options. Cardinals win the division. If I had to make predictions right now, so last year, it went Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. This year, we are going to go Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, Pirates, Reds. And I, I'm not even – I'm being optimistic with the Cubs one. I'm cautiously optimistic about I, I, I If I'm being honest, Cubs finishing third is probably more likely. Cubs finishing third is more likely. But what's the fun in that? What's the fun in that? We're trying to sell a show here. We're trying to sell a, sell a show. Second place. Let's go. But I, th- I do think the Cubs will have a good team. I, I do think they're going to be a good team. It's just a matter of if Bellinger can get back to his old form, at least close to that. If Dansby Swanson can keep his bat alive, I think they can be a very solid team. If the pitching stays consistent, they can be good. But again, the Brewers pitching is is superior to the Cubs. There's no, again, there's no real, wow, you thought that? That's insane. Obviously, the Brewers have better pitching than the Cubs. But we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. I'm going to be biased here. Now, we are going to move on to the NL East, or the NL Beast. This is a very strong division. Starting off with the Brewer, or the Braves. Sorry, I really like the Braves. They're going to be a World Series contender every single year. They're, they're a very, 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 very good team. If Ronald Acuna can stay healthy, they got a perennial MVP candidate every single year. You got Matt Olson in there. You brought in Sean Murphy this offseason. Very good get for them to play catcher. Spell Travis Darno every once in a while. You lost William Contreras. You bring in Sean Murphy. Some people might even view that as an upgrade. Then you got Michael Harris, who I think he was the rookie of the year last year. Ozzie Albies is still there. Orlando Arcia slotted to be the starting shortstop this season. We'll see how long that lasts. Fine player. Can play pretty much anywhere as well other than first. I've seen him line up in the outfield, which I didn't know he could do before. But he's lined up in short, second, outfield. Like He can play a lot of different spots. Eddie Rosario. Expect him to get back to a little bit closer to form this year. Uh, Marcelo Zuna's there as well. Austin Riley, a very good third baseman. They, they're just a very good team. They're a very, very good team. And you look at pitching, Mash Freed, Spencer Strider, we brought up earlier. Like, they've got a very good team. A.J. Minter. They let uh, Kenley Jansen go up to Boston. So, yeah, Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez coming. Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez coming in this offseason from the Pirates as well. Or Pirates. Jeez. The Tigers. The Tigers. The Tigers. The Tigers. Yeah, this team's good. Yolmer Sanchez, they got him down in AAA. I didn't know Yolmer Sanchez was still playing. But Von Grissom will definitely be called up at some point this year. Uh, shortstop prospect for them. Uh, yeah, they're gonna they got a solid team. They're gonna be a World Series contender throughout time. And they're they won the division last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it again. Moving on to the next team in the division, and uh, that's the Miami Marlins. A lot of people will be excited for this team this year. They got some nice uniforms. They're rocking uh, their old-school World Series winning uniforms every Friday this year. They got Jazz Chisholm, who is the the cover star of MLB The Show 23, who, interestingly enough, is moving to the outfield this year. It was an all-star last year. Um, I, To my knowledge, never played center field before. But they brought in Luis Arias from the Minnesota Twins, who will be their leadoff guy. Played a lot of first while he was up in Minneapolis with the Twins, or St. Paul. Sorry, with St. Paul with the Twins. Or no, the Wild play in St. Paul. The Twins play in Minneapolis. Either way, very solid player. Very, very solid player. Consistent contact hitter. Really good leadoff option for them. 
I'm just intrigued to see how Chisholm does in center field. Because the, the transition from second to center field, is that a lateral? Is that a, is that a linear transition? Is that something that happens all the time? Because I don't really see that. I mean, Baez played center field. Christopher Morell played center field in second. Just from a Cubs perspective. So we'll see how that does. They got Jorge Soler, who can hit for power. They brought in Gene Segura, who's a very good option. He's normally a second baseman, but bringing Arias in. He's not going to play second. So he's going to transition over to third. We'll see how that does. When he was at his peak, Gene Segura was a very, very good second baseman. Very good contact hitter. Quit, like a very nice leadoff option. Slotted in the bat six this year. Uh, Avestiel Garcia is still there. They got Joey Wendell playing shortstop. He was their third baseman last year. Uh, Brian De La Cruz is there. Yuli Gurriel, they brought him from the Houston Astros. Like They've got a good Sandy Alcantara, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Yeah, he's there as well. Jesus Lazardo's there. A.J. Puck, they traded for him from Oakland. Like, this team is solid. This is a very solid team. they got Matt Barnes from Boston. Like, again, this is a very – this is not the Mar- Marlins team of years past. This could be a surprise team this year. I'm not saying – like the Cubs. I'm not saying they're going to go on a Winter World Series or anything, but this team is solid. This team's got star power. Like, Jazz Chisholm is a star in baseball. I'm not saying he's, like, upper echelon player at this point in time. But he's, a lot of people should know Jazz Chisholm. And I'm intrigued to see how he does in center field this year. If he plays as good as what his potential is, they could be a very, very good team. Uh, the Mets, the richest owner in baseball. Edwin Diaz, torn up knee. A lot of Mets fans upset going into this season. They spent a lot of money. They spent a lot, a lot of money. As we talked about before, uh, Omar Navarez coming in for, uh, crap, who did we mention before? Who left the Mets? Who left the Mets? Or is it no, Thomas Nitto was the catcher last year? And then who was their other guy? They had one more guy in there that I'm completely blanking on. Oh, crap. What was his name? When did they did they get rid of him this offseason? I can't remember what his name was. I'm completely blank. I know James McCann was there, but that's not who I'm thinking of. But bringing in Omar Navarez, we'll see how that one works out. He's a solid catcher. He's nothing spectacular. He's nothing spectacular. And him and Thomas Nitto will rotate around at catcher because obviously Navarez, being a left-handed hitter, they're going to bring Nitto in for against the right hand, the left-handed pitchers. But you got Brandon Nimmo there, solid center fielder. Sterling Mart, Starling Marte is still there. Francisco Lindor, MVP candidate every year, one of the most electrifying players in baseball. Pete Alonso, very good player. Jeff McNeil, great contact hitter. Weirdest, one of the weirdest bats you'll see in baseball. It's got no knob on it. It's very weird, but could work for him. We'll see how Tommy Pham does this year. I don't know how many Mets fans are expecting a lot out of Tommy Pham, but we'll see. Eduardo Escobar. I mean, you go from getting Carlos Correa to going back to Eduardo Escobar. That's not really the the needle pusher that a lot of Mets fans were looking for when you have the rich stoner in baseball. And he lost Jacob DeGrom this offseason, but, but you brought in Justin Verlander. You brought in Justin Verlander. I don't care if he's 40 years old. Justin Verlander can still spin it. And you got Max Scherzer there as well. You've got solid pitching. You got solid. Even if you don't have Edwin Diaz to start the season, he's going to play. He's going to play. The Mets are going to make the playoffs. And you look at Kyle Schwarber towards ACL during the season when the Cubs won the World Series. It came back trained specifically for the World Series. Edwin Diaz didn't tear his ACL or tear his knee up before or during the season. It happened before the season. So he can realistically come back. And even then, David Robertson was with the Cubs, got traded to the Phillies, obviously. He's a solid closer. I'm not saying he's Edwin Diaz. He's not. Edwin Diaz is arguably the best closer in baseball. But David Robertson is a, is a more than capable enough option. And you've also got Adam Adovino. 
Got him from Boston last year. Played with the Yankees as well. And you got Brooks Raley. You traded for him from Tampa Bay. Like, you've got other options. It's not like you're just floundering around. Like, you've got a good team. It's I, They acted like it was donezo. Like, their team was just finished now that Edwin Diaz was done. It hurts that a player like Edwin Diaz is done for a considerable amount of time. But it's not, it's not over. It's not over. They're still a very, very good team. Uh, the Phillies, injuries have riddled this team. This team is a uh, is a little bit more down bad with injuries than the Mets are at this point in time. With Bryce Harper coming off Tommy John surgery, we'll see when he comes back, if he comes back this season, and Reese Hoskins just tore his ACL. So there's a lot of two those are two very, very key position players for the Phillies. Reese Hoskins, I feel like never misses time. I could be wrong about that. And then Bryce Harper is a perennial MVP candidate, one of the best players in baseball. So like definitely the most marketable, if not the most marketable player in baseball, that hurts. That hurts. And when you're replacing them or trying to replace them with Jake Cave and Derek Hall, that's a little bit different than replacing freaking Edwin Diaz with David Robertson. David Robertson can be a closer. I Derek Hall and Jake Cave, does that? that's not really a – that's a huge drop-off, a massive drop-off from Bryce, Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. It's still, like, they're both huge. I don't want to belittle the fact Edwin Diaz is out for a while, but that's huge. The The Phillies still have very good options. They're Trey Turner, one of the best players in the World Baseball Classic, if not the best player. If he if USA won, he would have probably been the player of the tournament. Very good get. Paid him a lot of money. Paid him a lot of money, but he's worth it. Trey Turner is definitely worth it. You still have Kyle Schwarber. You still got JT Real Muto, who just got ejected the other day. One of the weirdest ejections 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 I've ever seen in my life. Nick Castellanos is a fine player. He's one of the, he's like a Colt Cubs Colt hero. He's so weird. He played so little for the Cubs, but every Cubs fan seems to love him. Bryson Stott, Alex Baum, or Alec Baum, two former first round draft picks that a lot of Philly fans are going to be excited to see this year. We'll see how good those two are. We already talked about Jake K. Brandon Marsh, solid outfielder option as well. They brought in Josh Harrison, who is a more than capable backup, if not starter on most teams in baseball. Very capable backup at second base. Can play shortstop as well and can play some in the outfield. And Mundo, Sanchez, and Mundo Sosa also there. Like they've got they've got good players. And you've obviously got Aaron Nola. you got Zach Wheeler. you got Taiwan Walker. Uh, like You've got options here. Craig Kimbrell, we'll see if he can become what he once was. I don't know if that's still in there or not. Gregory Soto's a solid reliever. You just got him from Detroit. You traded for him in January. Yeah, you've got a, the Phillies got a good team, but not having Harper and not having Hoskins is massive. Is massive, massive, massive. And the final team in the A in the NL East. They're gonna talk about the Nationals. Uh, yeah, they stink. There's not really a lot to talk about here. They're they're just bad. They're just really bad. Dominic Smith. They brought him in from the from the freaking Mets. Um, Corey Dickerson, Jamie or Candelario brought him in for the Tigers. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, you got CJ Abrams from the San Diego Padres. It might be your best player. Lane Thomas, Victor Robles, Michael Chavis, versatile player. Emiliano Vargas, Cubs legend. <laughs> Pitching Trevor Williams. Again, Cubs legend. Patrick Corbin's fine. Josiah Gray, fine. Mackenzie Gore, fine. 
You got Carl Edwards Jr. I sometimes forget that dude's still playing in Major League Baseball. The, the Mets stink. Or the, the, the Nationals stink. The Nationals, Nationals stink. They'll finish last in the division again. So if I'm making predictions for the NL East, uh, I'm going Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. But I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if the Marlins ended up finishing third. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think they will because I think there's still enough firepower on the Phillies, even without two of their best players, to counter over that. And the Mets got a lot of talent on their roster too. I just think the Braves are still the creme of the creme of this division. I think if the Mets got Carlos Correa, we might be talking about this a little bit differently. But that's, again, going from Carlos Correa to Eduardo Escobar is a little bit of a, is different. Because Eduardo Escobar was due to be a backup and like a role player on this team. And now he's back to being a starter. So we'll see how that all goes for them. Then moving over to the ALNL West, uh, the Diamondbacks. I like the Diamondbacks. Coburn Carroll, I like him. I like him. He's the number two overall prospect. I, I know. It's crazy for me to say that. Number two overall prospect in baseball. Number one overall prospect for the Diamondbacks. Cattell Marte, versatile player. Really like Cattell Marte. Can play second place. Can play center field. So I guess it is more, tra- I guess I guess you could say it is more of a, a natural transition than most. So yeah, he plays there a lot. Uh, you brought in Ludius, jeez. Lourdes Gurriel, Yuli Gurriel's brother. Trade in with Dalton Varsho. You sent him up to Toronto. Got Gurriel back in return. You got Gabriel Moreno, uh, one of your other young prospects. You got him in the trade as well. He's slotted in to be the opening day starter at catcher, 23 years old. They've just got a very young team. Or not very young, but you got a young team here because you got Evan Longoria still on the roster. I forgot about him. You got him from the Giants, 37 years old. You got Kyle Lewis coming in from Seattle. Very solid, very speedy outfielder. Like, this team's not, it's not great. I'm not going to sit here and act like this team's amazing because it's not. But it's a, it can be a decent team. Like, I'm excited to see what, like, the likes of Moreno and Corbin Carroll do. I'm very excited to see what they can do. Pitching-wise, Zach Gallen, really good pitcher. Zach Gallen's a freaking awesome pitcher. Merrill Kelly, solid pitcher. Madison Bumgarner's still kicking it. And I, it feels like, I, I could be alone in this, I feel like Madison Bumgarner is a lot older than what he actually is. Like, does anybody else think Madison Bumgarner is like 45 years old? I feel like this dude's been around forever. He's only 33. I feel like he's been around for freaking ever. Zach Davies, Cubs legend, is still with the Diamondbacks. You brought in a few people this offseason from the bullpen as well. You brought in Carlos Vargas. You brought in Chase Solzer. You got Miguel Castro. You got Andrew Chafin, Cubs legend there as well. Andrew Chafin, solid reliever, solid setup guy. Solid setup guy. Lined up to be one of the closers. You got Scott Scott McGough. Or Scott McGuff, however you, however you want to process, say that. You got Carson Kelly, started the season on the injured list, fractured forearm. He'll be an option there at catcher. Like they, P, PJ Higgins, again, Cubs legend down in the minor leagues. They've got options. And it's not, again, not going to be challenged for anything, but I think they got a solid team. They could surprise some people this year, especially with some of the young players they have. Moving on to the next team in this division, the Colorado Rockies. Um, Just not very good, are they? It was not very good. They have some pieces. They just signed Jerickson Profar from the San Diego Padres, which if you're the Padres, you're getting Fernando Tatis back at some point this season. I don't remember. I think it's like late April. You're going to get him back at some point. You're going to have an outfield uh, consisting of Juan Soto, Trent Grisham, and uh, Fernando Tatis playing right field. That is a pretty nice outfield. So when you have someone like Jerickson Profar, though effective at times, can play a multitude of positions, switch hitter, you can allow him to go to Colorado. And he'll be a leadoff option there. They lost Connor Joe, who's a leadoff option last year. So you got to replace the leadoff option with Jerickson Profar. 
And you got Chris Bryant still there. Hopefully he can stay healthy because I love I always love Chris Bryant. Always love Chris Bryant. MVP World Series number will be retired someday in Chicago, but he's not on a good team. Charlie Blackman, my cousin, he's getting old. He's getting long in the tooth. CJ Cron had a nice little season last year. I believe he was an all-star. Wasn't he an all-star last year? Am I crazy? I feel like I might be crazy for saying that because it feels weird to say the name CJ Cron and follow that up with all-star. But wasn't he an all-star last year? Yeah, yeah, he was an all-star last year. It feels so weird to say. But yeah, he was an all-star. Uh, you got Ryan McCann, left-handed, second base, third base option. Jonathan Diaz, uh, Montero, play either third base uh, or first base. Can also play some DH there as well. Yeah, Ezekiel Tovar, number two overall prospect in the rank, in the team this year. Uh, lined up to play shortstop, 21 years old. Alan Trejo, obviously down there in the minors, or minors, uh, still on the will be on the bench as well. Mike Moustakis is still playing. Forgot about him. He was on the Reds. Was injured quite a bit last year, if I remember correctly. And he got Harold Casher. He brought him in from Detroit. Pitching-wise, Jermaine Marquez, Marquez, your best pitcher. He's fine. Kyle Freeland, fine pitcher. You got Daniel Bard, though, one of the better closers in baseball. Pierce Johnson brought him in also from San Diego. Brad Hand from Philly. And you got Brett, Brent Suter from Milwaukee. Like, they're good. Like, it's not... I'm not even going to try and say it's good. It's not good. It's not a good team. But you know what? Maybe maybe they surprise me. No, I don't I don't believe they'll surprise me. I'm pretty confident they'll finish last in this division. Uh, next one, we got the LA Dodgers. Uh, this team's not as good as what it was. And the Dodgers, we talked about injuries before. Dodgers have been kind of hit by injuries as well. Dodgers have been kind of killed by injuries this offseason. So you got Gavin Lux towards ACL. You obviously have Walker Bueller, Tommy John surgery. You got that back in August. You got Tony Gonsolin. He's also injured, sprained ankle. You got Daniel Hudson, Jimmy Nelson, Alex Reyes, Blake Trayan. Uh, Trayanen, sorry. Shoulder surgery. He's on the 60-day IO. Like, you've got a few players that are a little bit hurt right now. Pitching-wise, Julio Urias, Urias, one of the better pitchers in baseball. Kershaw still kicking it. He brought in Noah Syndergaard from Philly. Was with the Angels. Went to the Phillies. Now he's back in L.A. He got him. Uh, Ryan Pepois, I don't know how to say his name, but I feel like I wish, I hope it's pronounced like that. <laughs> Pepior, I don't know. Sixth overall prospect in the, in the pool, ninth, sixth or ninth, LOL. In there, Andre Jackson, he's in the, he's in the bullpen to start the season. He might see some starts this season as well. 17th rate prospect. Evan Phillips, Alex Vija, uh, Boudsar, Broodsar Gratterall. Sorry. And Caleb Ferguson will rotate the pit, the closing opportunity this year with obviously Kenley Jansen being gone since last year. And obviously with Bright Trenian uh, being, starting the season on the 60-day DL, you're going to need someone to come in and close. And you look at the bats that they have. Gavin Lux being hurt is a big loss there. Losing uh, freaking Trey Turner is huge. Like, this team is just like, you're replacing Trey Turner with Miguel Rojas, who you got from Miami. That's That's a downgrade. I think Miguel Rojas is fine, but that's a bit of a downgrade. That's a little bit of a downgrade. You also brought in David Peralta, 35-year-old David Peralta, who is, again, fine, but can only bat against right-handed pitching. You brought in J.D. Martinez, 35 years old as well. Trace Thompson, you're expecting him to be as good as what he was last year, which even then was just fine. I, he was Cubs legend Trace Thompson, but... It's not ideal. Then Miguel Vargas, you're hoping he does well. He's your 10th overall prospect last year, 4th overall going into this season, fourth over, 48th overall in the entire MLB. 
So you're hoping he can fill the hole at second base with Gavin Lux being hurt. So your goal was probably to have Vargas play short and have Gavin Lux at second or vice versa, but Gavin Lux tearing his ACL is not helping anything. You obviously still got Max Muncy, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts who all hold their own, but the rest of the team, you brought in Jason Hayward. I appreciate what Jason Hayward did in his time in Chicago helping the Cubs get a World Series. Great defender, but he doesn't really provide anything else other than that. You got James Outman as well, 25th overall prospect in your pool. You got Chris Taylor, a lot of swing and miss from Chris Taylor. Austin Barnes is a fine backup catcher. But, like, this team's not as scary as what it once was. They definitely don't have the same stranglehold on the division that they once had. Like, you look in the past, you like, you, you would make predictions on the, the season, and the first thing you would sharpie in was the Dodgers winning the NL West. That's not the case anymore. That is definitely not the case anymore. And we'll get to the team that is going to take that div- division crown probably right now in the San Diego Padres. We already talked about their outfield. Like, once dude comes back, and Fernando Tatis, once he comes back from his suspension, you got him in right field, Juan Soto in left, and Trent Grisham in center. That is one of the best outfields in baseball. And we're not even talking about the infield yet. You move Jake Cronenworth over to first base, which is fine because Jake Cronenworth can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield, in the infield. Naturally, a second baseman could definitely play first, though. Because with Hosmer leaving, Voigt leaving, and then, uh, or Voigt getting traded, and then, um, Hosmer getting traded too as well, I guess. Josh was Josh Bell here last year. I think it was Josh Bell, trade from the Pirates. You got a hole at first base. Will Myers could also play first base. We talked about that before when talking about oh, crap. What team was that? The Reds. Cronenworth was slotted in at first. He's been playing first this preseason. And then you look at the rest of the midfield, the infield. Ha Sung Kim Kim is fine. Very solid player. Very solid player. Twenty seven years old. Fine player at second base. Fine player. Can play. Can you can line him up pretty much anywhere in the batting order. He'll do fine. But it's the other two spots that we have to mention. And that is bringing in Xander Bogarts from Boston. And then having Manny Machado, who is one of the favorites to win MVP this year. Like, getting Bogarts in is insane. Like, there's not a lot of people that you would be willing to move Fernando Tatis off of shortstop four. Because Fernando Tatis can play other positions. Obviously, he's going to play right field this year. Has been playing right field so far this preseason. But you wouldn't bring in anybody and go like, you know what? We're going to bring in um, what is it? We're Miguel Rojas, and we're going to move Fernando Tatis to right field. That wouldn't happen. Fernando Tatis would stay at shortstop if that was the case. And Jerks and Profar would probably still be on the roster. But that's not the case. And then in the outfield, Juan Soto, again, another MVP candidate, one of the best players in all of baseball. If you're looking at the top 10 players in all of baseball, the Padres have three of them. And Tatis, Machado, and Soto. And whatever order you want them in, but they're top three of the top 10 players in all of baseball. And then you brought in Matt Carpenter, who can still be serviceable. He can play in the outfield too. He can play in right field if you need be. He can play at first. He can play at third base. He can play DH, which is probably where he's going to play most of his season. You have freaking Nelson Cruz on your roster. You have ring chasers coming in. You haven't even you. <laughs> this is a team that has pretty much seemed as an underachieving squad. Won 89 games last year. And you got people coming into ring chase and Nelson Cruz and <laughs> bringing Matt Carpenter. Got a retirement home here. They're moving to San Diego like all the other old people do. So we'll see how they do. You got Rodan Odor, who I forget is not 30 yet. I feel like this dude's been around forever since he punched freaking uh, Jose Batista in the face. You got Jose Azucar. 
in the outfield as an option off the bench. David Dahl, you brought him in from Washington. Again, just a stop piece for him. Stop piece, David Dahl. Catching's not ideal. Like, Austin Nola is a fine option. You got Lou. I can never say this dude's name. And I don't have my glasses on, so I can't really. Campusano, Luis Campusano. You got a 24-year-old guy there playing backup catcher. They'll rotate a lot this year, I would imagine. Victor Caratini was there as well. You brought in Adam Engel from the Chicago White Sox in free agency. You've got some other injuries in there as well. But yeah, this team's this team's solid. You got Cubs legend Alfonso Rivas in the in the minor leagues. We haven't even brought up pitching yet. We haven't even brought up pitching. Like you got Blake Snell, you got you Darvish there as well. You Darvish baller. You brought in Michael Waka this offseason as well. Brought him over from Boston. Iowa legend Michael Waka. And you got Josh Hader. We already brought up him when we talk about the Brewers. He's on the Padres now. You got Luis Garcia. And you got some people injured as well. You got some people injured. Joe Musgrove will start the season off on the injured list. He's got a fractured toe, one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. You got Drew Pomerez, uh, fractured tendon surgery, flexor tendon surgery. So we'll see when he ever comes back. But this team's good. This is a very good team. Fernando Tatis is, expected, is eligible to return on 420, LOL. So this team's good. This team's very, very good. And I'm intrigued to see how they do. I'm, I'm going to say they win the division. I think with the the Dodgers not looking as formidable as they have in the past, I'm not saying the Dodgers are going to fall off completely, but not having Trey Turner there, not even having Corey Sager there, losing some key pieces, having a lot of injuries, it's going to be big. We'll see how they counteract that. And then the final team in the division, we got the New York, the San Francisco Giants. We're a fine team. They finished 500 last year, 81 and 81. They're a fine team, but it's just they got no like really players you look at and go, wow, this dude's a beast. They just got a bunch of fine players like Tyro Estrada, fine player. Jock Peterson, fine player. Michael Conferto, hopefully he comes back from injury and looks good again. Fine player. Brandon Crawford, older and his prime, very good player, but he's older now. David VR, fine player. Mike Yastrzemski, fine-ish player. Joey Bart, we already talked about him. Not necessarily living up to the second overall pick aspirations. Fine player. Blake Sable, brought him in from Cincinnati. Fine. Roberto Perez. Nice catcher coming off the bench from the Pirates. Older guy, J.D. Davis, fine player. Wilmer Flores, versatile fine player. Bryce Johnson, we'll see how he does this year. See how much action he gets in the majors. Then you look at their pitching. Their pitching's good. Their pitching's pretty solid, at least to the starters. There's some good pitches in the bullpen as well. Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Sean Manaya got him in from San Diego. You got Ross Stripling in from Toronto, and Alex Wood there as well. All very solid options in the, the starting rotation. And then Camille Do- Camilio Doval one of the better closers in baseball, and Taylor Rogers, you brought him back in from Milwaukee. You got him to pair up with his brother Tyler, which the parents got really creative with that one. The twin brothers, Tyler and Taylor. Definitely no confusion there as, <laughs> at all. But yeah, the, the Giants are just fine. We'll see Luis Gonzalez when he comes back from injury. They brought in Mitch Hanniger as well. Austin Slater will come back from injury. We'll see when all these guys come back, but they're, they're just fine. They're just fine. It's nothing really amazing on this team at all. They're just a very fine, not very cool team. Which is fine. You can be like that. You can be like that. Hell, the Cubs were that for years. So I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team because I think they'll be fine. But I, they're not going to be challenging for anything this year. They Hell, they were a surprising team a few years ago. Maybe they do that again. Because as we said, the, the Dodgers aren't necessarily at their peak peak anymore. So maybe they're not. Maybe they're formidable. Maybe you can pass them up, Giants. But you're not passing up the Padres. So the, the division rankings there, I think we'll finish Padres, Dodgers, 
Psych Giants, Diamondbacks. We already talked about the Diamondbacks being one of the better, one of the could be a surprise team this year. I like a lot of their young players they have. Then the Giants and then the the Rockies bringing up the rear. I saw something the other day that the ownership in Colorado thinks they're a playoff team. I, I know it's Colorado and there's a lot of jokes that you could do with Colorado, but I don't know what they'd be smoking out there. I don't know what they be. That team's not a playoff team. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Hell, maybe I'm crazy for thinking the Cubs might be a playoff team. So who the hell knows? But we're going to move on to the AL. And like I predicted earlier, uh, it's tomorrow. So it's it's March 29th right now. So this show is coming out the same day as I'm recording it right now. It is 12.07 right now. But moving to the AL, start with the Cubs. Might as well just start off with the White Sox. I mean, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. So we'll start off with the the beloved Chicago White Sox. Again, a team that a couple years ago looked like to be a very solid team, and now it's just what could have been. They're, they're got it. They still got good players, though. Like Tim Anderson, very good player. Luis Robert, very good player. They brought in Andrew Benintendi, which is definitely not going to move the move the needle whatsoever in Chicago. But Eloy Jimenez, good player. Yohan Mankata, good player. Andrew Vaughn, full-time first baseman. Jose Abreu going down to Houston. So we'll see how he does full-time there. Yasmani Grandal. People are hoping that he gets back to somewhat form this year. And then you got Oscar Colas. Number five prospect in the White Sox organization last year. Third overall this year. A lot expected from him. He'll line up in the outfield to start the season. He's going to play right field to start. And he brought in Elvis Andrews. He brought him in from Oakland in August. Fine player. In his prime, awesome player. He doesn't have, to my knowledge, because he was a shortstop in Texas for years. He played shortstop in Oakland as well. Doesn't have a ton of experience at shortstop, but I think he should be fine. I like Elvis Andrews. I like Elvis Andrews. Uh, Zebby Savela, backup catcher to Yasmani Grandal. You brought in Hanser Alberto from the Dodgers, Gavin Sheets, Rami Gonzalez. Like, there's not a lot of things that can move the needle apart from Tim Anderson and Dylan Cease, who, again, Cubs legend, Dylan Cease, was part of the awesome Jose Quintana trade with Eloy Jimenez, who we brought up earlier as well. Two of the better players on the White Sox. And Dylan Cease, not just one of the best players on the White Sox, he's one of the best players in baseball. He's a very good pitcher. Could be a dark horse for Cy Young this year. Maybe not even dark horse. He's just a Cy Young candidate this year. You got Lance Lynn, Luis Giolito, who was a Cy Young candidate a few years ago as well. Michael Kopish is there. Mike Clevenger, he brought him in from San Diego. Uh, Gregory Santos, who brought him in from the Giants, 23 years old. Ninth overall prospect for them. Kendall Graveman, Aaron Brummer, Joe Kelly, Rialdo Lopez, and Jake Dykeman will all trans will all uh try to figure out the closing role while Liam Hendricks is recovering from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So let's hope all that goes well for Liam Hendricks. No, praying nothing but the best for him. Uh you got Matt Foster there and Garrett Crotchett also on the injured list as well. Uh Matt Crotchett, Garrett Crotchett, sorry, Tommy John surgery. We'll see when he if he can come back this year. He got the surgery back in uh April of 2022. So we'll see how that takes place for him. But it's just a a fine-ish team in Chicago. Like the White Sox are just fine. Like they're nothing that is really awesome. Like they have Jake Marisnik in the minor leagues, Cubs legend again. Jake Marisnik, Victor Reyes, Billy Hamilton again, Cubs legend there as well. It's just nothing here that really moves. The like Tim Anderson and Dylan Cease are good players. Luis Roberts a good player. Benintendi's a good player. Jimenez is a good player. Yoan Moncada is a good player. They got a lot of good players, but it's just nothing. We'll hope that the pitching carries them through. This is just a very underwhelming team. For what expectations were recent in the past years, this team is not as, 
you know, it's kind of in purgatory right now. Finished 500 last year. See if they can do better this year. Moving on, we got the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland Guardians, when I was typing up stuff earlier today, when I was driving up my uh, standing predictions, I accidentally typed in Indians. It's going to take me a while to say Guardians. But this team, though they made the playoffs last year, will they do it again? Uh, yeah, I think they probably will. The pitching will carry them through this, you would imagine. Shane Bieber is still there. Emmanuel Cias is still there. One of the best closers in all of baseball. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They got Hunter Gaddis coming up from the minor leagues this year. Uh, 25-year-old, 37th overall prospect in their system. Uh, Xavier Curry, 23rd overall prospect. Ter- Tim Heron, 26th overall prospect. They've got good players. Cal Quintrill, or Quantrill, sorry. Zach Plesek's there as well. Like, they've got, the pitching will be good for him. And he got in the in the batting, sp- batting spots. Jose Ramirez, one of the better third basemen in all of baseball. Awesome player. Ahmed Rosario, solid player at short. You got Steven Kwan. Solid leadoff option in the outfield. Josh Bell, we talked about the Padres, now in Cleveland. Josh Naylor, solid option at first base. Omar Gonzalez, Andres Jimenez, uh, Mike Zunino brought him in from Tampa. We'll expect to see if he can get, or yeah, from Tampa, see if he can get back to form. Miles Straw is a solid option. Like, this team's fine. They've got more pieces for a solid team than the White Sox do, in my opinion. This division's not great. I'm not going to say you're not like these guys are all World Series contenders, but now we get a little worse. As we get to the Detroit Tigers. Javi, I love you, but man, I wish you didn't go to Detroit. I wish you didn't go to Detroit. Tigers stink. Tigers stink. That's all I can really say about it. I mean, Riley Green, one of the better prospects for the Detroit Tigers, made his debut last year. He'll be a solid option for them. Austin Meadows is fine. Spencer Torkelson didn't really do a whole lot to fill everybody with confidence since getting drafted first overall a couple years ago. See how he does this year. Hopefully he improves. Miguel Cabrera still there. Kerry Carpenter, one of the better young players for the Detroit Tigers going into the season. Jonathan Shoup still there. They're just fine. Zach McKintree, this traded for him for Chicago. Cubs got a pitcher for that deal. Matt Veerling coming in for the Phillies. Got him this offseason. Nick Matten got him from the Phillies. Like, it's – they're just uh, – they're just fine. We already talked about Cody Moss – Casey Moss, sorry, getting Tommy John surgery starting the season on the 60-day DL – you got Tarek Skubal also starting the season on the 60-day DL. Two of their best pitchers. You got Michael Lorenzen starting the season with a strained groin on the injured list. So right now, you got Eduardo Rodriguez, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull, Matt Manning, and Joey Wentz as your pitchers. Doesn't really feel everybody with confidence in Detroit. Pitching is not great in Detroit. Alex Lang is a solid closer, solid closer, but this team is just not very good. I really wish Baez didn't go here. I really wish – I love Baez. He's my favorite Cubs player of all time, but I really wish he went anywhere else but Detroit. But like I said when he was with the Mets, I would love to see him with the Mets because that means he'd be on a winner. But – and you got to have this as a professional athlete. you got to have an ego, especially one that's finished second in an MVP race before and been nicknamed El Mago, gave himself that nickname. His ego's not going to let him play second base because as long as Francisco Lindor's there, you see with the Puerto Rican national team as well – Francisco Lindor is going to play short. Baez will play second. If they're together, that's what they're going to do. Baez is fine with playing second base for half a season. He's not going to want to do that long term. (coughs) He doesn't want to do that. He wants to play shortstop. And Detroit gave him an option to be shortstop, paid him handsomely. And now he's in Detroit on a bad Tigers team. And then he moved to another not-so-very-good team, and that's the Kansas City Royals, who, though not very good, 
have some solid young players like Bobby Witt Jr., who was on Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Solid young player. You got MJ Melendez as well. Can play DH, can play in the outfield, can play first base, can play catcher. Speaking of catcher, Salvador Perez. Another guy, like we talked about with Madison Bumgarner, I feels a lot older than what he is. He's only 32 years old. Uh, this guy's name I always struggle with because it's so Italian. Uh, Vinny Pasquatino. It might not even be Italian. It just feels Italian to me. Vinny Pasquatino, nice first base option. Hunter Dozer, nice versatile option there as well. Kyle Isabel, Isbel, sorry. Like they've, Nicky Lopez also down in the, he'll play coming off the bench as well. Can also play short, can play second base. Matt Duffy, Cubs legend, Matt Duffy. <laughs> Fran Mel Reyes, again, Cubs legend, Fran Mel Reyes. And then you got pitching, Zach Grinke's back. Jordan Lyles, solid option there. Uh, Brady Singer, we brought him up earlier in the 2018 draft. Solid pitcher. Brady Keller, Chris Brubick. Saw him get shelled to the I-Cubs down in AAA last year with Noah. Uh, Scott Barlow, one of the better closers in baseball. This team's good. Like, good for their standard. For what they've been in the past, they're not World Series contenders like they were that random-ass year. But they're a solid team. And I like a lot of the young players they have. We brought up Witt. We brought up Melendez. We got Pasquatino. Uh, even though he's off the bench, Nicky Lopez, solid option. Uh, Kyle Isbell, solid option. Like, they've got a nice young piece, and then obviously got Salvador Perez, one of the better catchers in all of baseball. And a lot of these guys are homegrown guys. A lot of these guys made their way up through the minor league system. As of right now, the only person in their projected batting order that's not from the Royals originally is Edward Olivares, who's playing left field. He came from the Toronto Blue Jays. And they traded for him in 2020. And he came for the Padres. He's the only one not having come through the Padres system. And then uh, we have got, moving on, we got the Minnesota Twins. Is this the last team in the division that I can remember? Yeah, Minnesota Twins. Getting back Carlos Correa. So Carlos Correa was going to go to the Giants, and he's going to go to the Mets, and he came crawling back to the Twins. And he's like, I always wanted to be a Twin. <laughs> I, always, I always wanted to be a part of the Minnesota Twins. They brought in Joey Gallo, who is one of the biggest hit or miss people in baseball, if not the number one hit and miss guy in all of baseball. Like, he's either hitting a home run or he's striking out, and he's striking out violently. Like, it is going to be one of the most violent, hamstring-tearing swings you're going to see ever. But gosh darn it, he's going to swing for it. You got Byron Buxton, really awesome player. Like Byron Buxton a lot. Again, Luis Arias going down to Miami. We'll see how that does not having him there. But he brought in Michael Taylor, center field option. Got him from the Kansas City Royals. Solid speedster at center field. Christian Vasquez. One of the better defensive catchers in baseball. Got him from Houston. He got traded from Boston last year, if you remember that. Yeah, they're they're fine. Max Kepler is still there as well. Kyle Farmer, he brought him in. Versatile option, can play catcher. Can play the entire infield as well. Doesn't really play catcher as much anymore, but he can. You got Donovan Solano coming in as well. Pitching-wise, you brought in Pablo Lopez. Got him in the trade for Arias. He'll be your starting, your ace, I guess. I guess I don't know if he's starting opening day, but we'll see about that. You got Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, uh, Taylor Tyler Mayle also there. You got Johan Duran coming in off the for the bullpen. Jorge Lopez. You've got options here. Cole Sands, long reliever, can be a starter if need be. Like they're fine. They're a fine team. They're they're pushing for the bringing back Correa, getting in Pablo Lopez to get them an actual number one guy. This is a solid team. Christian Vasquez again, very defensive option there at the catcher position, one of the better defensive catchers in all of baseball. And again, Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo, if he can hit it, he'll swing far. He had Miguel Sano there for however many years. Miguel Sano was the same thing. 
And right now, Joey Gallo slotted in to play first. So you had to have a guy that could do that. Arias uh, was too contact heavy. We had to get his ass out of town. We got to have violent swing and misses back in our batting order at first base. And I can't think of anybody better to start the season as a leadoff guy than Joey Gallo. His projected stats, his batting order projection is 195. For those of you who don't know, that is bad. That's what you usually put down in the 7-8 spot, let alone leadoff spot. So who the hell knows what's going on there? But we'll see about that one. And then my predictions for this division, and the Guardians win it. And the Guardians win. I think pitching helps them out there, and I think having Jose, Herma- Jose Ramirez helps as well. Uh, the Twins, I'm going to have them coming second. I think they just got just enough to pass the White Sox, and I got them going third. And then I have the Royals going fourth because I like some of their young players that they have on this team. It, it's really hit or miss with the young guys. If they don't hit, then the Royals will come in last. But I think the Tigers, with the pitching injuries that they have, Scooball and Mize being hurt, I have them coming in last. So that's my AL Central predictions. Moving on to AL East, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I like this team. This team's going to be fun. You got Gunnar Henderson, number one overall prospect in all of baseball, opening day starter at third base. You got Ryan Mountcastle, very solid option at first base. Anthony Santander, very good outfield option, switch hitter. Speaking of switch hitters, Adley Rauchman. When he got drafted first overall, people were comparing him to Buster Posey, my favorite catcher of all time. So I'm very excited to see what Rauchman does this year. He had a very solid season his first season last year. Now we get to see him full-time, full, full full-time. And now we get Cedric Mullins back, too. Cedric Mullins is very vers- very fast, very contact-driven player. Love Cedric Mullins. Uh, Austin Hayes, very solid option in left field. Adam Frazier, nice contact guy. Not going to jack a lot of dingers, but he's a nice contact guy at second. Jorge Mateo, speed for freaking days at shortstop. Like, they've got a very good young team. They're about a year away, probably. We'll see how Gunnar Henderson does this year. But I'm excited to see what he does. You got Kyle Gibson in the starting position spot. Cole Irvin, you got him from Oakland. I'm excited to see what this team can do. I'm excited to see what this team. Felix Batista in the bullpen. This team's solid. Again, it's not competing for anything, but it's a solid team. It's a solid team. And they're not going to be the traditional basement dwellers they once were. Because this team is actually good. They finished above 500 last year, which just feels weird to say. This team's good. This team is a solid team. If this is, uh, hold on. Hold on, 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 hold on. Okay, I was just making sure I was reading the right things for the for the standings from last year. But I like I like the brew. I like the Orioles. the The Red Sox, on the other hand, I'm not a massive fan of. I'm not a massive fan of the Red Sox. So, yeah, um, bringing in Justin Turner's fine. That's a fine move. You brought in Yoshida, who hit a home run against Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. A lot of people are excited for him in Boston. Adam Duvall, you brought him in from Atlanta. But this team is just not, nothing's really moving the needle for me. I like Raphael Devers. You signed him into extension this offseason. But it's Tristan Cassis, we'll see how he does at first. He's number two overall prospect for the Red Sox. One of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year this year. Christian Arroyo, versatile player. Reese McGuire, not moving anything for me in regards to being a catcher. Got traded from the White Sox last year. Enrique Hernandez, versatile player, very versatile player, can play literally everywhere on the baseball field. Alex Verdugo is a fine option. I like Alex Verdugo. He's slotted into the beat a leadoff guy at this point in time. Rob Refsnyder, Remel Tapia, they got him in for this offseason from Toronto. Pitching-wise, we'll see if Chris Sale can return to form. You got Corey Kluber in from Tampa. Tanner Houck is coming in, Cutter Crawford. 
or t- Tanner House coming in. Tanner House been there. I don't know why I said that. I meant Corey Kluber's coming in. Nick Pavetta's there as well. We obviously talked about Kenley Jansen before coming in from Atlanta. Uh, Chris Martin coming in from L.A., the Dodgers side of things. And Rich Bleeler, Richard Blyer, sorry, coming in from Miami. Trevor Story obviously starting the day on season on 60-day DL. Uh, elbow surgery, not ideal. Uh, not ideal. Alberto Mondesi, you brought him in from Kansas City from a trade. He's having knee surgery. So we'll see what his timetable is for that. We'll see when he's able to come back. So he'll be a nice infl- he'll be a nice addition to the team when he's back and healthy. You have Jorge Alvaro, Alfaro, sorry, down in the minor leagues to start the season. But it's just a, I don't know. A, a Connor Wong, we'll see when he gets an option to start at, sec- at, at catcher this year's 22 overall prospect for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I'm just not, there's nothing really moves the needle for me in Boston. I like as we're talking about the top teams in this division. I like the Orioles more than the Red Sox. Just the, the two teams we talked about so far, and I get the, a lot of it goes to the youth of the Orioles. Moving on, we have got the New York Yankees, everybody's favorite team. I mean, they what they should be one of the better teams in all baseball yet again, shouldn't they? I mean, why shouldn't they? They brought Aaron Judge back, one of the best players, if not the best player in baseball right now. Rizzo's there, Giancarlo Stanton, Glaber Torres, uh, Andrew Anthony Volpe. Is making his start at shortstop this season. He made the opening day roster. Yankees' number one overall prospect. Everybody's really excited for him. Uh, Kyle Higashioka. Don't know why he's always involved with Team USA in baseball. Never does anything. Nice, nice, uh, nice morale boosting guy. Jose Trevino. Like him at catcher. Like him. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Like him as well as an outfield option. Can play a lot of different positions. DJ LeMayhew. If he can get back to somewhat form hitting consistently, that'd be nice for the Yankees. And then you look at pitching. You got Garrett Cole. You got Nestor Cortez. You've got Carter Schmidt. Uh, Johnny Brito. You've got some injuries from the starting pitcher rotation. Uh, Frankie Montez having shoulder surgery. Uh, got injured back in February. Uh, Carlos Rodon brought him in from San Francisco. Luis Severino. Luis Gill. Uh, Scott Efros. Cubs legend. Tommy John surgery. Tommy Cannell coming in from the Dodgers. Uh, bicep tendonitis. Like They've got in- uh, quite a bit of injuries. Harrison Bader. Strained oblique, similar injury to what Seiya Suzuki's having. He'll come back in and be a starter once he's healthy. A lot of speed there from Harrison Bader. We'll see who he pushes out. Probably Aaron Hicks, if I had to guess. Or we'll move Giancarlo Stanton back to DH. We'll have to see about that. But the Yankees are going to be good. I mean, it's the Yankees. They have too much talent. As long as you have Aaron Judge, they'll be fine. I'm excited to see what Anthony Volpe does. Um, Cabrera, uh, you got him. We already talked about him, but I didn't want to bring up Cabrera. I already talked about Cabrera. As well as Peraza. Was the other one. So we got two Oswaldos on this team. I want to talk about Peraza, who will be making his debut somewhat later in the season. The Yankees' number two overall prospect. But Anthony Volpe, excited to see what he can do. Very excited to see what he do. But the Yankees, they're going to be the Yankees. The Rays, as the Yankees are going to be the Yankees, the Rays are going to be the Rays. But what I mean by that is have a group of no one cares about to somehow be a very solid team. I'm hoping we get a full season of Wander Franco. I'm really hoping we see a full season of Ronder Franco. Randy Orezarena, after a dominating World Baseball Classic with Mexico, uh, was probably the poster child of that if it weren't for uh, Shohei Otani. Dude was awesome. Electric factory. I'm, I'm excited to see what Orezarena does this season with the with the Braves. Braves. The Rays. Brandon Lowe, expecting him to re, like go back to what he used to be. Yandy Diaz, leadoff guy. Solid leadoff guy. Can play anywhere in the infield. Harold Ramirez, Manuel Margot, like Isaac Paredes, got him from the Tigers. Christian Betancourt, 
Uh, Francisco Mejia, they'll rotate in at catcher every once in a while, I would imagine. But it's just like nothing here from the start from that lineup is like, oh yeah, that team's good. That team's solid. But then we brought up Shane McClellan earlier, drafted in the 2018 draft. Brought up him earlier, Zach Eflin. Eflin, sorry, coming in from the Phillies. We'll see how he does. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, uh, Josh Fleming, Pete Fairbanks, uh, Jason Adam, Cubs legend, Jason Adam. But yeah, this team's going to be good. It doesn't matter if you think this team's not going to be good. They're going to be good. They're, they're going to be good. And the Blue Jays, final team. Blue Jays got a lot of potential. We already talking about earlier talking about them training for Dalton Varsho, catcher, versatile player, can play mostly he's kind of transitioned to the outfield, kind of like Kyle Schwarber. Originally a catcher, mostly plays in the outfield now. I like him. I like him. Upgrade on David Peralta, playing in left field. Uh, George Springer's still there. Bo Bichette. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Two very good options there. Two very good options. George Springer, again, very good option. Alejandro, Alejandro Kirk. A lot of people really like Alejandro Kirk. Matt Chapman. A lot of people like him. Brandon Belt still kicking it in baseball. Didn't know that. Kevin Kiermeyer brought him in from Tampa this offseason. Like, this is a good team. It's a good team. Kevin Biggio still there as well. Uh, Nathan Lukes coming up this year. 19th overall prospect for the Blue Jays. Uh, Alex Manoa. Alec Manoa, sorry. Monster dude. One of the better pitchers in baseball. Kevin Ghostman is there as well. 18th overall pitcher. Uh, one of the top pitchers in baseball. Two top guys. Cole, Chris Bassett. Sorry, I don't know why I said Cole Bassett. Jose Barrios. They've got, they got guys. They got guys. Jordan Romero, one of the better closers in all baseball. This team's good. They're going to be Yimi Garcia's. Uh, Eric Swanson brought him in from Seattle in November. Uh, Tim Miza, Anthony Bat. They've got people here. They got people here. Now, Hinjin Ryu, Tommy John surgery, not great. But again, we talked about two people before Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Dalton Var. I'm going to bring up more. I said two people. It's late. I'm sorry. It's 1228. I'm, I'm getting tired, but I got to finish this thing. They got pieces there. They've got pieces, but I'm going to still give the edge to the Yankees. I'm still going to go Yankees. I'm going to go Yankees, Blue Jays. Rays, Orioles will be interesting, but just given the Rays track record for making something out of seemingly nothing, I'm going to go with the Rays and then the Orioles and Red Sox. Again, the Red Sox didn't do anything that really... I'm excited to see what Yoshida can do. I'm really excited to see what Yoshida can do. I'm excited to see what Tristan Casas can do in a full season. Uh, Verdugo, Rafael Devers. Like they've got, I'm not saying they're bad. We'll see if Chris Sale can get back to normal, but I'm going to go with the Orioles. I like a lot of their young pieces. It wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox did better than that, but it, that's just how I'm feeling. That's how I'm feeling. And then finally, AL West. I mean, this one's just kind of there. It's the Astros division. I don't care. I know freaking Jose Altuve starting the season injured. He got hurt at the World Baseball Classic. You got Michael Brantley coming off shoulder surgery. They're fine. They're fine. They're going to be fine. Jeremy Pena, one of the better shortstops in all of baseball. Kyle Tucker's there. Lance, or Alex Bregman. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Abreu, again, they brought him in from the White Sox. Replacing replacing Yuli Gurriel, or Yulius Gurriel, sorry, with Jose Abreu. That's night and day difference. Night and day difference. David Hensley will be making his, will be coming up this year, ninth overall prospect for the Astros. Chaz McCormick's very solid option. They, they're fine. I'm not a massive fan of Martin Maldonado, but he's a good framer. He ain't going to give you a shit batting, but he's going to, he's a good framer, good defensive catcher. And then you've got freaking Yanir Diaz. He'll be making, you know, rotational pieces with Martin Maldonado. 24 years old, 12 years younger than Maldonado. Third overall prospect for the Astros. Mauricio Dubon, very versatile player. They've got options there. They've got options there. And it's only going to get better when the likes of Brantley and Altuve come back. And then pitching, sure, they lost Justin Verlander. 
but they still got Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Acurity, Luis, Gar- Luis Garcia, and Hunter Brown, the number one overall prospect last year. They're fine. None of their starting pitchers are over 30. They're fine. They'll be perfectly fine. And even pitching in the bullpen, Ryan Presley, Rafael Montero, Hector Neres, like, they're fine. They are perfectly fine. Lance McKellar strained elbow. Once he comes back, still don't have a starting pitcher over 30. It's like, they're good. I'm not worried whatsoever about about the freaking Houston Astros. Not worried whatsoever. They'll be fine. They'll win the division. I... I've waited till the end for every other division. I don't care. They're they're winning the division. Then the Angels. The team that has the two best players in baseball won't make the playoffs. That is insane to me, and it's something that you can pretty much lock in every single season before the season even starts. Like, the memes of, imagine these two playing together with Trout and Otani, both in the World Baseball Classic, two best players on their teams, and neither one of them are going to make the playoffs. Otani might win the Cy Young and MVP this year. One is a player and one's a pitcher. Not as him being a pitcher. He might win an MVP as a pitcher. Who the hell knows? But two best players in baseball, and they're not going to make the playoffs. The rest of their team stinks. I'm hoping for their sake, because I'm going to say this for the rest of the team. I hope for those two say, like Anthony Rendon returns to MVP form. I hope he returns back to that Nationals day. Because it seems like every time someone has a good year with one team, they sign a massive-ass deal with the Angels, and then they suck. Or they get hurt all the time. I just hope that he gets back to somewhere near that. They got Hunter Renfro coming in from Milwaukee. They got Brandon Drury, who can play a lot of different positions from San Diego. Uh, Gio Urshela, got him from the Minnesota Twins. Logan O'Hope, number one prospect for the Angels, a catcher. We'll see how he does. David Fletcher, solid piece. Solid piece, most, mostly a second baseman. He brought in Jake Lamb, Brett Phillips. Yeah, it's just not it's not great, is it? It's not a great team. But pitching, I mean, it's not terrible starting. Patrick Sandoval's fine. Tyler Anderson's fine. Uh, Reed Detmer's fine. But it's it's Otani and Trout, and that's pretty much it. And that's the sad thing about this team. It's very sad. Taylor Ward's fine, but it's just not nothing moves the needle here apart from those two. And moving on, we go to the the Oakland Athletics. We talk about sad franchises. The Oakland Athletics. They're pretty resigned. It seems like they're moving to Vegas. I think they're pretty resigned to that fact. So this team's going to stink. They're going to be bad. They might be the worst team in baseball this year. I, I, You know what? I'm not even going to say might. They will probably be the worst team in baseball this year. Like, Tony Kemp, Cubs legend. Um, That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Jesus Aguilar still playing. Jace Peterson's there. R- Ramon Luriano is still there. Uh, Ryan Noda. Cool. Uh, it's just nothing here. That Carlos Perez brought him in from Colorado. Nick Allen, uh, <laughs> Ella Deems Diaz. I, I'm just nothing. Seth Brown is fine. Like it's just they're gonna be terrible. They're gonna be absolutely terrible. I feel bad for every every A's fan in Oakland. Cause they're moving too. Uh, there's nothing really else to talk about the A's. They're they're gonna be bad. They're gonna be bad. They might win 50 games this year. <laughs> they're they're gonna be bad. Uh, then we got the Seattle Mariners. I like the Mariners. I think a lot of people like the Mariners. I think it's a hard team not to root for. They brought in Colton Wong, as we talked about before. Brewers traded him away. Now he's out of the NL Central. Finally out of the NL Central. Tired of seeing him. So now he's with the with the Mariners. And you got Julio Rodriguez. A lot of people like Julio Rodriguez, including myself. He's a really easy guy to like. Ty France, very good first base option. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez got him in a trade with Toronto, which is a very nice get. Eugenio Suarez. Very nice option there. Hopefully he can get his batting averages up. 
but very solid option at third base. Cal Riley, or Rayleigh. Then you got Jared Kalenic. We brought him up earlier in the 2018 draft. A.J. Pollock brought him in from Chicago. J.P. Crawford, solid shortstop. Tom Murphy at catcher. Cooper Hummel got him in from Arizona. Tommy Lastella, Cubs legend, brought him in from San Francisco. And you look at the pitching. Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, really good pitchers. Really, really good pitchers. Logan Gilbert, you know, obviously named Logan. Marcos Gonzalez, solid. Hopefully he can get back to somewhat form this season. Uh, then you got Paul Sewold. You got Andres Mutos, Munoz. Sorry, I'm, again, I'm tired. I'm sorry. I'm going to say some names wrong here and there. But yeah, I like the Mariners. I like Julio Rodriguez is a very exciting player. I'm really excited to see. I like Ty France as well. So I, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. And then we have guys. Is this the final team or have I missed somebody? So we talked about the Astros. We talked about the A's. We talked about. I'm missing a team in this. The Angel. Okay, no, I'm not. The Rangers. The final team on here. Rangers got some solid players. Got some solid players. Marcus Simeon, Corey Sager. I like those two. Two solid guys there. Nathaniel Lowe, solid first base option. Adolis Garcia. I like Adolis Garcia. He'll jack some dingers this year. Josh Jung, number one prospect for them. 31st overall prospect in the majors. Jo- Jonah Heim, solid catcher. Fine with Jonah Heim. Brad Miller, still kicking it. Can play in the outfield. Can play DH. It's fine. Robbie Grossman brought him in from Atlanta. Nice switch hitting option in the outfield as well. Like this is a good. They're, they're not like great. They're not good either. <laughs> but but I like some of the players they have. I do. I like Sager. I like Simeon. It's a nice middle infield they got there. Pitching wise, they brought in Jacob Degrom, which is awesome. If Jacob Degrom can stay healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. There's no ever doubt about that. They brought in Nathan Eovaldi as well from Boston. You got Martin Perez as well. John, John Gray still there. Uh, Andrew Heaney brought him in from the Dodgers. Pitching-wise, starting pitching-wise, went up tenfold, if you're a Rangers fan. Definitely went up tenfold. It's ridiculous. It was crazy. Like, John Gray, I believe, was the ace last year. And you bring in Jacob DeGrom. That's a little bit of an upgrade. It's a little bit of an upgrade. But also brought in Will Smith from the Astros. Like, they've got options pitching. It's not as bad as it once was. It's not as bad as it once was. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's a chance the Rangers could pass up the Angels. But I think this division's pretty straightforward. I think it's just Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers, Athletics. I have a hard time. Like, there's part of me that really thinks the Rangers can beat the Angels. That can pass up the Angels the Angels finish fourth. But I, again, with Trout and Otani, like, you have the two best players in the league on your team. Like, I have a hard time really envisioning that, hey, you're going to lose to a team with, like, the Rangers. Again, I think they made a lot of really smart moves. Rangers. Really money moves. Like getting DeGrom, bringing in Eovaldi. You have Sager, you have Simeon already there. But I don't, I have a hard time saying they're going to pass with the Angels. I have a hard time saying they're going to pass with the Angels. So my prediction for the NL, AL West, Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers, Athletics. So here's my AMLB predictions for each division. NL Central reads Cardinals because for Vibes, Vibes, Cubs, Brewers, Pirates, Reds. NL East, we got Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. NL West, Padres, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Giants, Rockies. And again, I think there's a chance the Marlins beat the Phillies out for third. Dark Horse team. And I think there's a chance the Brewers beat the Cubs. I think there's a strong chance the Brewers beat the Cubs for second. But I'm just going to go with vibes. I'm just going to go with vibes. And then I think, I don't want to count out the Dodgers and say they can't win the division. I just think that's probably going to be the Padres this year. I think it's their year finally. Uh, the AL Central, we got the Guardians, Twins, White Sox, Royals, and Tigers. I think there's a chance the White Sox finish second. I think the Tigers can finish fourth. But... I like the young players the Royals have. I like the young players they have. 
AL East, we're going Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox. That division can finish in any order. Like, I I don't think the Red Sox are really that bad of a team. It's just weird that someone has to finish last. And it's weird not being the Orioles, but that division, I'm open to anything. I don't really care how that division finishes. I'm open to anything in that division order-wise. I think that could, I think there's a chance the Yankees come in third, which is crazy to think about, but a very low chance, but a chance nonetheless. I would love to see the Orioles win the division. I saw some they're still playing Chris Davis or paying Chris Davis. If they're still paying Chris Davis, they deserve a win a division. I like a lot of the players they have. And then the West, again, Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers. And then if I'm making predictions for awards, um, AL MVP, I don't have this filled out. But, I mean, the obvious ones are like Otani and freaking Aaron Judge. Those are the obvious ones. And Mike Trout's obviously in there as well. If I wanted to go rogue, who would I do if I wanted to go rogue? Uh, freaking Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Would that be rogue? Jose Ramirez? Would that be rogue? But I think it'd be cool to see Otani win MVP and Cy Young. I think it'd be really cool to see. So I'm going to say that. Nothing more than that. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Gunnar Henderson. Dude's number one player, number one prospect in baseball, so it's kind of hard for me not to say it. He's going to play on a team. He's going to play a lot, so it's. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. AL Manager of the Year, we'll go Terry Francona with the 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 Guardians. I think we're going to go with that. I, I don't know. I'm not confident in saying that. I just I think Terry Francona is a very solid manager, so we're going to go with him. I also think like Dylan Cease will be up there for the Cy Young Award as well. And I, cause I Cubs legend, so I got to mention him there. Um, and then NL MVP. I think it's going to be someone on the Padres. I, like we said, uh, this could be one of those things, though. So I remember the Cubs got kind of screwed out of a Cy Young race. It was Arietta, Hendricks, and Lester. I think Kershaw won it because they said that it's more impressive for Kershaw to be number one on his own team than three guys for one team. Uh, it was it was a weird reason, but maybe that screws like one of the Padres guys out of MVP, MVP. Maybe that screws him out there. I would love to see Ronald Acuna win an MVP. I think Francisco Lindor would definitely be up there for an MVP shot as well. I think those are your top two outside of the Padres. But I think, again, like Soto, Machado, Fernando Tatis, I don't know if he'll win an MVP because of the whole steroid thing or PED thing. I guess it technically wasn't steroids, if I remember correctly. But the the whole suspension thing, that might not sit well with people. Like He's the early odds-on favorite to be the comeback player of the year. Because he had a bunch of injuries, too. But I feel like the voters would look down on him for being caught with PEDs. So that's my thought process with that. I, it could be end up being wrong. But I think it's one of those four, if I had to pick MVP, between Acuna, Lindor, Machado, and Soto. In no particular order. You can choose either one of those guys. If I had to go to a Dark Horse MVP candidate, um, well, Mookie Betts is going to be really good, obviously. But say a Suzuki. There's your Dark Horse MVP candidate. <laughs> No, we're going to Ian Happ. Ian Happ, Dark Horse MVP candidate. Cy Young, I'm going to go Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is legit. Cor- Corbin Burns, the Brewers' whole team is based off their pitching. So I Corbin Burns is ridiculous. And the Cubs have to play him week one, uh, first week of the season again. So, yeah, and the Cubs hit him pretty well last year. So let's hope they do it again this time around. Let's just make sure he is starting. He has to start week one, <laughs> opening day. He's Corbin Burns. But they hit again. They hit off him well last year in opening day. They won 5-4. Friggin', uh, what's his name? Nico Horner <laughs> hit home run off him. So, yeah, they did well against him last year. Different, completely, geez, the lineup opening day last year. Rafael Ortega, who's now in the Yankees. Nick Madrigal. 
Uh, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, Frank Schwindel is playing in Japan. Seiya Suzuki, Jason Hayward, Patrick Wisdom, and Nico Horner. Horner went from the ninth hole spot, nine hole spot to the leadoff spot. Madrigal went from batting second to not being in the batting order, probably. Contreras on the Cardinals. Happ will probably bat third. Twindell's in Japan. Suzuki's on the injured list. Hayward's a backup in with the Dodgers. Wisdom will probably start. And then that's, yeah, it's a weird, weird time. But I'm probably going to go with Corbin. Corbin Burns. If I had to pick somebody else to win the AL Cy Young Award, hold on. Spencer Strider. Let's go with Spencer Strider as a dark horse one. If is that a dark horse one? I I I don't think so, but maybe Justin Verlander, another one, 40, 400 year old dude, still dude, still killing it. NL Rookie of the Year, Corbin Carroll. Again, similar thing. I like I like what the Diamondbacks are doing. I like the Diamondbacks. I like their young players. And Corbin Carroll not only is going to be playing a lot with the Diamondbacks, and he's going to be batting leadoff, so he's going to have a lot of opportunities for that. So. I'm gonna go Corbin Carroll, Rookie of the Year, and then Cy Young or uh, Manager of the Year, Bob Melvin, Padres. I think they probably have the best record in the NL Nest this year. I, I think it's close because I, you look at the NL East. I think the Braves and Mets definitely a consideration for that. But Phillies and Marlins will be tough. You look at the NL West, the Diamondbacks, Giants, and Rockies. I think will be tough. Dodgers are obviously there, but I think that's more maneuverable than the NL East. The Eastern divisions are kind of tough. They're they're tougher divisions than most, but. That's what I've got for you today. World Series champion. If I had to pick a World Series champion. Jesus, just go to Astros. No, we're not going to go Astros. I'm going to go with the Braves. I'm going to go with the Braves. I like the Braves. So let's see what other people are predicting for so we can go, so we can cheat off other people. What are other people saying? Final standings playoff projections. What is this guy saying? This is sportingnews.com. Who's winning the World Series? Oh, the Yankees. He has the Yankees winning it. And then, uh, who's he have them beating, though? Yankees versus Braves. Oh, okay, so that works out. But yeah, we're going to go with the Braves. Braves-Astros World Series is my prediction for the World Series. I think that's a fair prediction. Astros will always be involved in the World Series. But that's my prediction for the World Series. Playoff teams. How do the I always forget how the playoff works in baseball nowadays. It's always weird. It's always weird. First round buys. Okay. So you got three wildcard teams now? Is that true? Is that how this works out? Hold on. I got to make sure I got this all right. Okay, so it's three wildcard teams. Three wildcard teams, three division winners. So we obviously got Yankees winning division, Guardians winning division, and the Astros winning division. We got the Braves winning the division. We got the Cardinals winning the division, and we got the Padres. We're going to stick the Dodgers in the playoffs. We're going to stick the Mets in the playoffs. Do I want to do, do be... <laughs> super pessimistic or super optimistic and go Cubs in the playoffs or I want to be smart and go with the Phillies. Uh, we're going to go with the Phillies. <laughs> so there's my six playoff teams for the sense, the NL and for the AL, we're going to go with the blue Jays being one of them. Uh, we're going to go with the Mariners being one of them. And the final spot, do I think the twins or the rays will make the playoffs? Cause I don't, I have a hard time with like, like you look at the third place team in the NL West, the Angels. I would love to say the Angels. I would love to say the Angels. Twins? Do I think the Twins will make it? I don't know. I'm gonna go with the Rays. I'm gonna go with the Rays. So there's my AL predictions. So we got the Yankees, Guardians, Astros as division winners, with the Blue Jays, Rays, and Mariners as playoff teams. NL East is we got the division winners in the NL as Braves, Cardinals, Padres. And then we got the Mets, Phillies, and Dodgers making the playoffs. 
Then we've got the Braves and Astros in the World Series with the Braves or Astros winning the World Series. <laughs> Great intellect there. Great insight. Great insight. That's what you wait for on the Logan Blackman Show. We have made it over two hours. I didn't know we made it over two hours. That's impressive. Good stuff, Logan. I'm tired as hell. It's 1246 right now. You'll get this episode in about seven hours. So <laughs> congratulations. Uh, I will see you all later. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Again, I did this to myself. I could have recorded this way earlier, but in hindsight, I wouldn't have been able to record in time because I had shit to do when I was trying to try and record. So maybe this was a blessing in disguise. But with that being said, I will see you all later. I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. Leave a rating down below on why you feel the way you do about the show. Subscribe, and I will see you all later. Peace.